0: Slice and Dice Podcast number two. Steve here with... Dan. That was exciting. <laughs> well, you know. So I'm thrilled to be here.
1: I could have gotten my like Weenie DJ voice, and I was trying to figure out if I should roll something else. So throw throw our three members into a,
0: a, a little loop. I'm not sure Velvethead's uh, caught the first one. He's having trouble downloading. He's using that shitty Android stuff. Uh, I know I was able to listen to it. He was all whiny too. It was like, can't you just link it on the website? No, get some equipment that works. That's head, newfangled thing
1: called iTunes. If you can't <laughs> use it, don't don't know what we can tell you.
0: Uh, podcast number two. We're talking. Well, later we're talking Star Trek, Into Darkness. But to kick it all off, we've got a little bit of news. Is it our, Star Trek
1: Into Darkness, or is it Star Trek Into Darkness? I kind of get into the same thing when I see a pet smart Is it PetSmart, or is it PetSmart? What, uh,
0: I don't know. Well, what the fuck good are you? You're well, supposed to answer these questions. I don't questions. go to those places. You do have three, well... Yeah, I can get everything they need at the supermarket. They don't need that fancy uh, pet smart store stuff. I no,
1: just give them a can of a they're bag
0: l- of Friskies, and the they're good. They're lucky I feed them at all. <laughs> a little bit of news out there since uh, since last week. Um, this one you're probably going to talk a lot more than I am, but uh, it's worth mentioning. Uh, you're an online gamer,
1: very much so. It, well, more specifically, an MMORPG'er. <sighs> I'm not Mister Call of Duty Online. I'm into the. Real right. role-playing games. Right,
0: internet gaming and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, um, which I've never done. I'm, I'm strictly console when I get around to playing. Um, but the World of Warcraft, uh, you know, predominantly the MMO of the last decade or so. Oh, yeah. And, without a doubt, um, is, uh, run run into a little bit of trouble lately. Do we blame the pandas? Um, I do. Really? I, I, I well, I bring, blame the pandas and time. And put this in context, apparently they've, they've lost over a million, almost a million and a half subscribers in a very short amount Out of, of time.
1: nine million subscriber base. Right, so it's significant. That's a significant number. It's
0: significant. Um, to,
1: to give it some perspective on where I'm coming from, I played EverQuest before I played WoW. At one point, I ran accounts for both. I've had a while since the second month it had been a month, <laughs> month it had been rolled out. So I have been with it for the long haul. Um, certainly, I blame the pandas. One of Blizzard's mistakes. The pandas are awesome.
0: <sighs> this is just not good. <laughs> Why are you under the desk? <laughs> uh, not for the reason you're hoping. <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't know where it went. No, the pandas. Pandas.
1: The pandas were an interesting idea because I, for all, for a long time I've screamed that they needed a monk class. So their spin was, we'll have this expansion be kind of like Oriental pandas themed. Pandas are like monks? Yeah, it, it, so they, they said, well, pandas, you know, the Orient. But. <laughs> really? That was carefree. But he, the, the problem WoW has and what they, well, Blizzard has and what they forgot is that one of the criticisms all along is that Though their graphics are gorgeous, at times they'll eschew the adult crowd for the kid crowd, so their, uh, their animation can be cartoony. So if you're getting that criticism, the worst thing you can do would be to roll out a panda class, because instantly you're making the, the adult base think that you're really not trying to work for them anymore. And to top it off, they made the game almost too fucking easy it used to be to get to your character to max level was a pain in the ass. Now it's almost nothing. You can have no clue how to play these kind of games and just roll up to levels fifty in a matter of maybe forty hours game time.
0: So is there a lot of layoffs in the uh, Korean uh, sweat. Uh, you would think so. The
1: the Korean uh, level miners or whatever the or hell just, they want to call they just
0: sit in their little rooms and do twelve to fourteen a hours a day,
1: uh, just making characters. You'd think. Um, but let's be honest, too, the game's been insanely popular for seven years. It, it was the reason, not EverQuest, that Ultima Online officially just went away. It, its run is just about done. Um, Star Wars gave it a pretty good hit. Rift, when it came out a year, two years ago, gave it a pretty good hit, even though that didn't last. A lot of people played Rift Jump Ship and went back to WoW. Uh, DC
0: got online, too, there for a while. I yep, they had they game, they uh,
1: game of Heroes. Was that what it's called? Game of... I think Game of Heroes and Game of Villains. or, or City of Heroes.
0: Okay.
1: Um, never played it. I heard it was actually a pretty fun game. Um, Dungeons and Dragons tried, but I guess their issue was that anything that really was an accomplishment took a group of four or five, and people just
0: sometimes are casual and don't want a group. There was another one recently too, wasn't there? I don't know if it was Rift or not, but just announced that they were going to free play. Probably Rift. It might be Rift. Rift came out, like I say, about probably two
1: years ago. And it, it certainly was targeted in such a way you could tell it was made for the wild crowd, the adult wild crowd. Because um, a lot of things in Wild were built right into Rift. But as the numbers are tailing, i got to believe that went free to play. Um... But I think it's just a matter of time. Realistically, I know Blizzard's working on a new game right now That it's like Inferno or something. Realistically, for me, I would rather have seen them gone with Star Tra- uh, StarCraft Online. StarCraft was a is a great game, and there's certainly a whole lot to be done there. And who knows, maybe they'll roll on roll a WoW 2. But it, still, if you're talking 6 million subscribers, it, it it's going to be okay. I have
0: heard they're talking about going free-to-play. Wow. Wow. I think they have to. You'd think so. Yeah, well in, Make their money off of their, their games. I mean, how, how much of their like, their their uh, actual download packages cost? In the,
1: past? the expansions are about 30 bucks at up.
0: So, go free and just pay what you pay for a video game. Well, in, right now Star, uh, Star Wars, the old... Uh, Republic. Old Republic is actually
1: really they've come up with some cool ideas. You can play and be a subscriber like I am. Or you can play free to play. And subscribers get a little more freedom. You uh, there's also certain things in game that you can get if you're a subscriber. You can't they basically have added like this own in game auction house. but It's not an auction house for like in WoW where you can put stuff up that you loot and other people can buy it. That exists too, but they have what's called the cartel market, which is stuff that they've created, special outfit packs and things that a lot of free-to-play people can't do, unless they want to throw down real money to buy is, tokens. Is it worth the extra money? for uh, To go from free-to-play to subscriber? Yeah. For me it is, for the option of using it, for everybody, no. I think it's completely subjective. Um, in fact, I would recommend that people are going to try the game you don't go subscription. You play free-to-play and see if you like the thing first. Because the, the problem with a lot of online gaming is you're going to play it for two months like fucking crazy, and then you're going to walk away. I hadn't played WoW in three months until the Pandaren expansion came out. I loved it. Not the pandas, but I liked the continent that they created. What do you got against
0: pandas? I have one They're of them cute. in the game. They
1: that, That's what I have against it. <laughs>
0: It's hard to be a badass when you're a panda. It is. And It is. And, and I'm still stuck on why, if they're looking for something Asian-inspired, why they pick the panda. Granted, Asian-inspired. Yeah. Why the panda? Why not a ninja? And
1: I would contend because they were trying to, to, to stick with the kid audience. And it, it, again, that's Kids don't like ninjas? I think that they figured kids. It's Wow's always tried to have just a PG rating. And if you roll out pandas but or hookers. Filipino hookers. You no involved. kids.
0: <laughs> Filipino I mean, hookers named Ling Ling. You'd be a Filipino hooker named Lingling, Ling, Level 40. That, I think, would be a
1: funny <laughs> freaking game. But I, I I think that we're seeing Wild's numbers will never pick up again. It's just going to steadily decline. Eventually, we'll shut it down. But hey, a seven or eight year run is not bad. It's it's not dead. No,
0: in in this I think in this gaming climate, I think that's a pretty good run. Yeah, it's
1: it's still solid. I mean, again, it survived Star Wars: The Old Republic. It survived forever. Now,
0: there's just so much out there now, I and mean, there's so many options. So much of it is free to play. You know, just I think I think the smartest thing, like you said, for Blizzard is just for a while to go free to play. Yeah. Understand the fact that you're always going to have your 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 fan base for your product. Go free to play; they're going to buy the expansions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You just jack that price up to a normal video game rate and just call it. Yeah, lower the number of servers that you're running because that's probably you. You
1: have to deal with upkeep Keep each. Start bringing everyone together. If you've got to cut the servers in half, it may mean that some of the servers are going to be busy. Fine. It cuts down your operating cost. Then go free to play. Then if you want to do some of these things like the cartel market inside of it where people could spend $10 out of their wallet every few months get a 1,000 credits for these special bonus packs, let them. Because there's a lot of people that, and and I personally don't get it, but there's a lot of people who find it to be a big deal to get all 50 or 100 little in-game pets and stuff. I personally don't give a shit about that kind of thing. But there are those who do. So let them. Let them spend the money if that's what they want to do. There's a game called Guild Wars that's been around for quite some time from Korea that... Survived against WoW, and that's how they did it from the get go at rollout. There was never going to be any kind of subscription, all they wanted was people to buy every expansion. They made an expansion every year, they sold enough of them that they were able to maintain. That's all you need to do. Yep, give people something new, that's what brings them back.
0: Right on. So, I have some good news Phil Colson lives.
1: Very good news. Very, well, very. Is that good news though?
0: Because depends Poulson's, on how they pull it off. Well, and, and I've heard the rumors of how they're going to pull off the where, where he just never died anyway, and Nick Fury just didn't let anybody know. Then he pulled one over, right? But uh, and we're talking about Agents of Shield, which was officially picked up by uh, ABC. But if you needed that clarified, you're listening to
1: the wrong podcast. What? Who Agent Colson was. Oh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. If you
0: don't know who Agent Colson is. Get the fuck off my podcast. Um, and they premiered the three... Did you see the three-minute uh, little preview? I did. It, it, to me, it looks great. Mm-hmm. I know there's plenty of, uh, you know, internet flamer out there going like, oh, this just looks contrived. This looks stupid. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it the, looks these, awesome. These guys will never be fucking happy no, no matter what they get. Fuck internet troll. Um... But, uh, and, and this is going to be led by Clark Gregg, who was Agent Coulson in the Avengers, and who of course died, allegedly, in the Avengers. He got poked by Loki's pokey stick. yeah And, uh, and he is back and in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. because uh, this is supposedly post-Avenger... Um, you know, and they're going to be doing uh, shield missions around the world from the show, and th- I think the show looks great. So why? I think it's got some. I don't. I don't know how much writing Whedon's doing with it, but I know he's uh, he's executive producing it, so he's definitely overseeing it. Um, I, I think it looks great, uh, but does this does this cheapen what happened in the Avengers by bringing Phil Coulson back? Or does it really just depend on how they decide
1: to bring him back? It depends, but I, I, I just have a weird feeling that the spin is going to be no, you never saw him dead. That was just yeah. Fury's way of saying. I think. that uh, we need to get Cap involved. I think
0: they have to give more of an explanation than just you never saw him dead. I I, I would they, agree. They've got to give us a reason, I whether we like that you. reason or not remains to be seen but they have to give a legitimate reason beyond just ah you know things happen you you should have asked to see the body Uh, no i mean granted we're talking about a comic book universe here and nobody dies in the game fuck no for forever um so i I, and i think colson's a great character it's gonna be fun seeing him back (laughs) on there rest of the cast looks really good the trailer looks really good and I'm interested to see what what they do with it. Um, you know, is this going to translate well to the small screen? Uh, is it going to pick up a a fan base? Or Is it going to pick up a small fan base? That because you gotta you gotta figure in, in in today's network, especially network TV climate. If you're not pulling the numbers, it doesn't matter how good no. you are. Well, it, it behooves ABC though to make this good.
1: Because their parent company is Disney, who also yeah. owns Marvel. So, the fact that the But is, if this pulls
0: fringe numbers, they're not going to keep it.
1: Right. But, I would be shocked if it does, because it's already got some of the built-in audience out of those people who made The Avengers, the number three movie in history. Yeah. So, you've got to believe that th- this isn't as much of a risk as a fringe was. Um, do I think that it's going to pull anywhere near the numbers that... The Avengers the movie did
0: No Well I heard that They're going to premiere It's going to Be on a Tuesday night show And I think that's perfect For a show like this Because mm-hmm. um, really Really what are you going up Against on a Tuesday night
1: My fear was They're going to roll it out On Sunday night Because nope. Sunday night Would hold steady Until football season Then all of a sudden It becomes problematic To put anything on Sunday night Because you got to compete With either football well, Or Fox's animation block Yeah and I don't know that you want to do either of those things. Well, and then,
0: is it what, uh, what channel is uh, Once Upon a Time on?
1: That's ABC on Friday. Uh, I think... Once
0: Upon a Time is a Sunday night show.
1: Is it? Well, I think it's uh, ABC. But is it ABC? I'm 90% certain that they so, are the ones that have that. And I believe that uh, NBC has Grimm, I think.
0: But that's a Friday night show. And
1: maybe that's where I was getting the Friday from.
0: But Once Upon a Time, as far as I know, they've got that... That Sunday slot locked down, and if that's ABC, that's why you're not getting Shield. Uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I hope they've got a good plan for explaining why Coulson's back, because I think they need that. I think I think uh, Whedon has put this universe in a spot where I, I you can't just get away with with half-assing things at this point. No, you've you've got to have a pretty strong uh, pretty strong case for, for a lot of the things that you're doing. Now, how afraid,
1: though? And, and this We don't need to go into this for a whole lot, but how afraid is DC of the success for, of a show like this? Because they've got some success with Arrow. But I don't know if DC owns, though. And I don't know how much they're getting as a kickback from Arrow either. But if all of a sudden Marvel has a runaway, well, ABC has a runaway hit on their hands. That's even more money going to the Marvel coffers. Does DC push to roll out even more of their own product I th- at I a think, faster yeah, clip?
0: I think DC is a lot less concerned about what Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to do. I think their more immediate concern is is this Man of Steel is going to because if Man I of Steel and everything I've seen so far this looks really good mm-hmm. but if we get there and, and we find out that it's you know, it's all smoke and mirrors in the trailers. Superman Returns sh- look
1: decent yeah. in the trailers. Not, um, not like this. But. Yeah.
0: Um, if this turns out to be a bust, critically, um, mm. DC may be dead in the water cinematically. Yep. Um, if this is a success, if this is as good as it, as it looks like it could be, then all of a sudden I think DC is has got a lot more leverage. Because, you know, they've got the Batman thing in their pocket. Um, Granted, they're forced with having to deal with a re... Well, not necessarily a reboot, but a what do we do post-Nolan. Yeah, realistically, they're going to... Well, supposedly, though, we're going to get the the
1: Justice League movie first. So they're going to have to recast the role. Unless, it turns out, Nolan is involved. Because I've heard that rumor uh, kicked around every now and then. That... uh, Nail, uh, yeah, Bale has come out and said that he would do
0: it if Nolan's involved with it. Again, I this don't understand. If Man of Steel takes off and no Bale pun intended. and No, no, no <laughs> pun intended. And Bale and Nolan decide that they'll come back for a Justice League thing, all of a sudden this gets a lot more credibility. Yeah, it does. But right now I think it all hinges on Man of Steel's success. Yep, which we'll see in two weeks. Yeah, well, no, 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 next month. Four weeks, four weeks out. About four or five weeks, yeah. June 14th, I think. No. I'm looking forward to it. It's really, the, it's really the next big blockbuster I'm looking forward to. No. After Earth. It's not what I'm looking forward to. No. I said, what am I looking forward
1: to? Well, then why the hell do you
0: have this freaking poster of Jaden Smith in your house? Well, I also, I, I like to look at it when I'm playing <laughs> Whip My Hair by Willow <laughs> Excellent Smith. point. I need something to visualize. <laughs> Um, rumor, pure, pure rumor, but wouldn't surprise me if if this turns out to be true, that Jeremy Renner is displeased. Well, Well, this is a rumor. We know he's somewhat displeased with the way his character was handled. While we're on the the subject of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because rumor has it, they're going to
1: bring in some of the characters from the Avengers in and out of the TV show. Yes. So... And I've heard rumors that Hawkeye was going to be a character they figured they could use a lot. Because you don't have to do a lot of CGI around Hawkeye.
0: Right. Um, but uh, but he's a displeased with the way his character was handled in the Avengers. He's not happy that he didn't really get the amount of face time of some of them. That's just, you know, big superstar wah, wah, wah. I don't care. Which sucks because I do like Runner. I, 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 do, I do. Well, I I'd like, like what Run- like Runner's done. Right. Um, and then he's, uh, he's displeased that his character pretty much, it was really never a superhero in the movie. I mean, yeah, he's part of the Avengers, but he really was just a puppet for Loki in this, in this thing. And he had to be like rescued like the damsel in distress by, by, yeah, by Black Widow, no less. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, I can't, I can't imagine that, uh that Renner didn't see the script before he signed on for no this question. thing. Um, you, you know, it just sounds like, it comes across to me like just sour grapes. Like I didn't exactly. Get to, I didn't get to play Captain America or I didn't get to play Iron Man. I had to play Hawkeye and, and then you just used me like a little uh, a little bitch. And, and if I was in his shoes, I'd, I'd look at it this way. But there will be an Avengers
1: 2. And God willing, that since I got short, I'm kind of the short end of the stick, my character becomes a slightly bigger character in the next movie, and they let me do something with it. The, the problem he's got is, he is forgetting that the Avengers is a constantly changing team. Yeah. So, he's basically given Marvel the chance of saying, "Yeah, we drop a character. They've already no- announced that they're adding two anyway, with what, uh, Quicksilver, Scarlet Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Which apparently is what rumors is Cherche Ronan is going to be Scarlet Witch. Yes. Um, and I'm
0: on board with that. Yeah,
1: it's great casting. Um, so, the... Trying to, to piss off Marvel really isn't the way to go here. Well, especially he, when
0: your character is as expendable as yours right. is. He or,
1: made those comments six months ago, but it was still well after the Avengers was a runaway success. Right.
0: And, and maybe not say his character is expendable, but the guy playing him is expendable. If there's any character you can recast and not misbeat, it's, it's Hawkeye. I mean, yeah, you haven't
1: had enough screen time here yeah. for anyone to really care. So for, what's funny is his argument could also be his own undoing. Sure. And that you're right. You basically got tapped by the, the Loki stick at one point real early in the movie. Became a, a bit of a, a mindless zombie for a bit. Yeah. Until you got beaten to shit by Black Widow. And yeah. then you had a couple scenes where you snap your bow out. Right. Right. I liked the scenes where he was on the top of the building in New York City picking things off. Yep. Great scenes. Somebody else could play those roles. Sure. Don't think you can't recast. If we Hawkeye. can
0: recast the uh, Incredible Hulk, we can certainly recast Hawkeye.
1: Yeah, and I'm for and to support the Incredible Hulk idea, twice they've recast it. And each time, I've argued they traded up. Not that I didn't like Eric Bana. Uh, but I I like Norton Jr. a little more, and I really thought Ruffalo was a man. great choice. Ruffalo, he's nailed it. Nailed it.
0: Um, yeah, Ruffalo was great, and and Joss Whedon understood the Hulk. He was yep. the first director who really understood the comic book Hulk. Mm-hmm. Didn't try to make Hulk to be some deeper thing like Anne right. Lee did, um, or more uh, more in, uh, an intelligent version of everything like uh, like this high level thing like they did with Dad Norton character. He just understood Hulk smash. What? Hulk Cutie is God. all in, yeah. period. Hulk is just, you, you've you
1: got the ultra-intelligent Doctor, but as soon as he becomes the Hulk, it's all in. Boom. That's it. Yeah. And it, whereas, you're right, the Norton Jr. one, it was almost like they still try to give him this sentimental thing, right down to the scenes where he's sitting on the edge of the cliff mm-hmm. or whatever with... Uh, Female lead in that movie. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, right? Uh, In the rain. uh, No, I saw this in King Kong, too. Exact same scenes. I didn't like them there. Right. But yeah, this runner needs to probably Uh, take it down a notch. Or it's it's probably too late. If the rumors are true, it's too late and he's he's done. Change a
0: diaper and go make Hansel Mm -hmm. and Gretel too. Uh, Good point. Um, Real quick, just want to bring it up. Rumor is that uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard are now have gotten the options in place for the Dark Tower series, the Stephen King Dark Tower series. Which has been
1: rumored for a long a time. They've been
0: kicking this around for a long time, you're right. Uh, man, I, I I, absolutely would love to see the Dark Tower series brought to the big screen or the small screen, however you want to do it. I don't want to Ron Howard and Brian Grazer to have anything to do with it. I don't trust Ron Howard. Ron Howard has done some good things in the past. Ron but Howard, Ron though, Howard has also bastardized a lot of good
1: shit. Ron Howard, it's been a long time since Ron Howard's done something really good, though. Yeah, Ron I, Howard I, I is I kind think of a like,
0: beautiful mind is probably the last. Thing uh, that
1: I, I, yeah, that's a very fair. But, I mean, but he built like. a lot of his from the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah,
0: Cocoon, Apollo thirteen. If you liked Apollo thirteen, I thought it was okay. Um, it was I of, loved I, A Beautiful Mind.
1: That's a great movie.
0: Um, but I loved that just as much for Russell Crowe's performance as I do mm-hmm. any of the direction in it. And then I saw what Ron Howard did to the Dan Brown books, the uh, The Da Vinci Code and all this Angels stuff, Angels and <laughs> Demons, Angels and Demons, and those two flicks were just brutal. He just totally bastardized those two books. Thought they sucked, and they were well, at least uh, uh, Da Vinci Code was one of my favorite books to read was a real page turner, was great. Um, and and ugh, the movie version just sucked. And maybe the part of that had something to, to do with that. I just didn't see Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon. That's the problem I had. I think Tom Hanks is a great actor and stuff, but I, I can't he's so distinctive, so so but isn't unique that kind in his of a voice Ron Howard face.
1: thing, though. Yes Ron Howard, light, Ron Howard loves grabbing That one guy that people latch on to, yeah, but
0: that's just it. I I, I can't get past things with Tom Hanks and not say that's Tom Tom Hanks, Hanks. right? As great of an
1: actor as he is, you still don't disconnect it from being Tom Hanks, really. It's just that he's he. He's known that, so when he's done roles where he's gotten a lot of credit, it's that they're endearing kind of roles that he can be Tom Hanks. That guy who supposedly is as nice a guy as you'll ever meet, has no bad words to say about anybody. Well, that's how you can pull off Forrest Gump. If you can pull that off with a slight bit of mental retardation, there you go. That's Forrest Gump. That was him in Philadelphia where he was that lovable guy that just you you wanted to cheer for. That's Tom Hanks. Castaway, again... All his he, idea. He 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 was the man crazily in love, yeah, was obsessed for with him. time because he was the manager for FedEx. So when he got when it, when the plane crashed, all that kept him going was that chance that he may see his maiden fair again. Right. So that again, it's Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks,
0: right? Um, so Dark Tower, not not happy that Ron Howard's involved with it, but because uh, I just don't trust him at this point. So, here's an interesting thing. You ever been to Australia? Dude, I would love to go there. That'd be a long-ass trip. It it would. I've I know heard how that, long it takes to get to freaking Hawaii, and I hear that's about a half I'll put it this
1: way. Time. A lot of my favorite supermodels growing up were Australian chicks. They they do breed them well there. Right.
0: But Paul Hogan.
1: Yeah, he, he was top of my list. Right. But I've heard that as, as Yanks, they love Yanks over there, dude. Supposedly, you can sit down and... They're Wait. supposed to, like, if you go to a bar in Ireland, everyone loves everybody. And I've heard Australia's like that. And let's be honest, we've been known to plop on a bar stool whenever we get the chance. Duck, here comes a boomerang, mate. Mm. But times a didgeridoo? Into, i was going to say, what times if I roll on a didgeridoo solo, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd find that problematic.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, apparently, you know how, like, we got squirrels all over the place here? Apparently out there, kangaroos. are like, I think that's awesome. Dude, that, that's dude! Can you imagine just walking out to your car in the morning and say, like, oh, "Kangaroos scurrying around"? I mean, it's freaking great. I think that's awesome. I never knew that they were that aggressive, though. Oh, very much so. Well, they, well they, with that said, is it safe to have kangaroos running around? What do, you I, mean, do you I don't think, think. I don't know. I, don't know. I think they're going to go out and We're not. To, we're not to, well, they're not. I don't think they're aggressive like mountain lions or anything. I think. I think there's certain. Ty- dude, what the hell? Yeah. That that's five guys and beer. Oh my God!
1: Oh, Mister Farting the whole way in line of five guys. Oh,
0: jeez. that's brutal. Um, I mean, it's not like you know. Maybe it's because they're cute. I don't know, but you don't think of them like like mountain lions, where you no. you, you can't like walk near them, and they're just. Instinctively going to attack. But supposedly you. they lay
1: in you with their hind feet and they'll fuck you up. You yeah, know, but
0: I thought they only came after you if, if you, like, if they
1: were threatened. By well, them. that's what I'd heard is if, you, if you're if you an idiot that goes up to kangaroo and tries fucking with it, right, then right, right, it right. doesn't stand down. Right. Which is why they used to do the boxing matches in old timey days yeah. where dude against kangaroo, because then you're in its face and it would lay the guys out.
0: Right. Well, apparently some politician, some Australian politician, and I don't know what city it was over there. Um, was jogging and turned a corner and ran smack dab into Kangaroo. And Kangaroo was not happy about it. And Kangaroo got over on this dude. Beat the living shit out of him. actually laughing. Now, how do you explain that back at the office? Or that you got your ass kicked by Kangaroo. It's like, I don't know, what's a good Australian name? Uh, I don't know. Mick. Mick. Excellent. (laughs) Mick, how did what happened, dude? Did you get mugged? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, you're not going to say Hopper jumped out of the woods no. and beat the shit yeah. out of me. No, no I got beat up by a kangaroo today. Damn <laughs> it. Crikey. I got oh. beat up by a kangaroo. What's funny is by the sound of the article, it wasn't just
1: that the thing stood there and beat the crap out of him. It pretty much pounced on mm. top of him. It, it just it went it it went all freaking Ralphie style and yeah.
0: Christmas story and laid uh, laid it right out. And how what's your mindset when you're sitting? <laughs> there? I mean, are you afraid of this of, of, of when this is happening, or are you in the back of your mind going like, I have to get out of this? But I'm, dude, I'm getting beaten up by a kangaroo. <laughs> well,
1: in the whole time, I like going. Down. Oh, that thing's awful cute. Yeah, I just want to take this oh. home to, to my my kids. Oh, if
0: I survive this, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a pet out of you. <laughs> I've actually eaten kangaroo. How was it? It was actually good. It was a uh, it was a place in or in Orlando. I, I I don't know if it's still there or not, and I can't remember the damn hotel's name. Was it next
1: to a petting zoo? No. Oh, okay.
0: Um, but it was on the hotel plaza. Yeah, kangaroos and,
1: get a little old.
0: Yeah. It was a. It was a. Um, It was an Australian-themed restaurant, Laughing Kookaburra. And the the name of the the hotel escapes me, but uh, I want to say it was Buena Vista Plaza. It doesn't matter. Uh, Laughing Kookaburra. So it was an Australian-themed thing. And they had an appetizer there called Tiny Kangaroo Down. And it was basically um, little strips of kangaroo meat in like a bread bowl. And it was sautéed up with some uh, peppers and onions and shit like that. It tasted like steak. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, it was a novelty thing. Sure, I'll tell you. I, I don't try a lot of weird shit like that. That's certainly the most weird thing I've ever had.
1: I've had alligator. Same
0: idea. Uh, yeah, I've had alligator too. I feel kangaroos a little weirder. Yeah,
1: I don't disagree with you.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was actually pretty good. Yeah. I've had reindeer. I've never had reindeer. Reindeer was I've had freaking deer, good, but. Was it, like, a big lump of, like, red? That's, like, like Rudolph's nose. I was going to say, I, I, yeah, like, I, I... You I, think I, it's a maraschino chair, and you're like, God, this thing's tough.
1: Dude, it's yeah. Rudolph's nose. All I can think is, yeah, I guess he won't be playing any more reindeer games tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd like the
0: cream of Blitzen soup, please.
1: Yeah, who cares if that's one less kid who's going to get Christmas presents? Yeah. The sausage
0: is pretty fucking good. Oh, yeah, Santa's. Santa's only got six reindeer yeah. this year. God damn it, times are tough on the North Pole. Yeah. We yeah. had to slaughter Cupid. At least we're digital now, so he doesn't have
1: to deliver anywhere is there as many toys.
0: God, dude, this one's tough. The fucking Comets. Yeah. Comets not tender at all. <laughs> anyway, let's go back and we'll come back to our uh, douche of the week. Right.
1: Uh, here goes. Uh, Start with, uh, obvious. Excuse me, is that your nose or did a bus park on your face? <coughs> True, when you were born, the doctor turned around and slapped your mother. If I had a dog with a face like yours, I'd shave his ass and teach him to walk back. What'd you say? I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. You pompous, stuck up snot-nosed, English, giant, twerp, scumbag, fuck-faced, Dickhead! Asshole! You stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf-herder! You clinking, clanking, clattering collection of collisionous junk! You shit-kicking, stinky horseman-horse-smelling motherfucker, you!
0: You dirty eating piece of slime! You scum-sucking pig! You son of a motherless goat!
1: How are thou, thou globy bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil?! You're unit jelly, though. No business, Bond, insecure, junkyard motherfucker! You're a fucking secretary. Fuck you! Yeah, that's my message for you. Fuck you and kiss my
0: ass. You're an emotional fucking cripple. Your soul is dog shit. Every single fucking thing about you is ugly. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. I don't like your jerk-off name. Kind of like you jerk-off face. So, I, like I want to I give you a little mind. bit of a pop mind. quiz here, man. Jerk-off. <clears throat> it's, uh, the topic will be medicine. Okay. <laughs> now, you are not a doctor. I never nor, tried yeah, Nor do you play one on TV. Hell no. Nor did you stay at a holiday and express last night. Not that I remember. Okay. So, here's here's the question. In the event of a gunshot wound... Who should you call?
1: I would probably be calling the ambulance. Right.
0: Nine I would be one going one. to the hospital. You're correct. Unfortunately, if I were to ask that question of Deborah Tagle of Santa Fe, Texas, that would not be the answer i get. Apparently not. No. no. Her solution to gunshot wound is to... whoop. Let me run to the internet and consult WebMD to see what I should do about gunshot wound. <laughs> and not even for just five minutes, but for some amount of time. Mm-hmm. Deborah Tagle, uh, I don't remember how old she was, 40s 55. I guess. 55. Her 14-year-old son was shot in the leg, and we'll get to more into that in a minute. And she feels that the the best thing to do is is go on the web and consult WebMD. Now I don't know if that's the dumbest thing or the fact that why WebMD would have any information on gunshot wound to begin with. Yeah. I, well, realistically,
1: what are you going to get out of WebMD here? The most I'm going to say is you have to have the the bullet removed. <laughs> yeah. The the the. Area cleansed and sanitized right. and stitched. Right. So realistically, you're probably not doing that at the house.
0: But if your kid came to you and said, or, or your kid was like, "Oh, I just got shot in the leg," wouldn't you get him in the car and go to the and go to the hospital? That would be or my call first the ambulance. Choice. Maybe maybe put some pressure on it and yeah. get on the old cell phone. And say hey, gunshot wound, need some help. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't think that. I would don't be. think I'd be like, don't get blood on the carpet. Stand over there. I'm going to go consult the internet.
1: <laughs> well, admittedly, there are some pretty good websites out there. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, maybe she thought there was an app you could download that removes
0: gunshot wounds. Maybe you never know. There's been some great advances. Well, the plot thickens. Apparently, he was shot by a 24-year-old dude that was in the house. Happened to be staying there.
1: Staying there, yeah. And the way we understand it, it's a friend, but they don't say which one it's a friend of.
0: Right. Um, But I had my suspicions. (laughs) She had, for whatever reason, she had security cameras installed in the house. And when the the authorities consulted said security cameras... They, they found that the dude, the twenty four year old, was tracking the fourteen year old around the house with a gun.
1: As you that,
0: do, we, yeah. It's nothing <laughs> like a nice. That, that's that is a fucked up game. game? game? <laughs> you want to play a fun game? We'll play hide and seek, little Timmy. Yeah, hide and go shoot your ass. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Dude was hunting the kid in the house. Yeah. Now, clearly, he was uh, wasn't trying to kill the kid. I would assume. But he shot him for and whatever reason in the thigh. Yeah. Mom goes to consult WebMD. Uh, this just, uh, I, I agree with your, your assessment that we were talking uh, off the air saying that you think that, that mom was covering up for something here. Yeah,
1: I, I think there's cameras and stuff in the house for a reason. I think there's, uh-huh. there's some activity that happens in the house. And that the 24-year-old boy may be also involved in the activity and other activities with Mama.
0: He, there's that. He's he's probably uh, working for a cartel yeah. or something. Yeah, and Santa Fe isn't that far from the border. Well, right. So
1: my instant thought would be, yeah, yeah. there's some cartel activity involved. Uh,
0: I, this just, it, it astounds me. When you look at this woman's picture online and you're like, the minute you pull it up you're like, "Yep. That just goes right along with the story, yeah. you know? Where do these pieces of shit come from? And why why do us normal people of society have to deal with people like this? Because we haven't brought selective breeding into
1: play anymore, dude. So there she unfortunately has a kid. Let's hope she, he doesn't turn out like her. But I'd r- say the odds are. They're uh, really good. Yeah. They're in that favor. So, yeah, it's the problem that it, we. Everyone so, can breed.
0: So, the dude who shot him was arrested for uh, child endangerment or something like that. Then she was subsequently arrested for the same thing. I presume the fact that she ignored the fact that the kid needed more immediate medical attention and decided to go on webmd. And it MD. wasn't a short period of time, too. No. It was hours. Yeah, hours yeah. she spent. So
1: I've been on webmd before. It doesn't take hours to research or anything on like webmd. I'm fairly no. certain.
0: No. That no, you I get your answer. I don't go on webmd. And you think she, you think this woman was like everybody else? Like, oh, don't go webmd. Because you makes, instantly, it's start always to. the worst case scenario. Oh. WebMD says you can die from this, but WebMD tends to oh be the God, worst Oh, my God, you probably got a case scenario. of the herpes yeah. from a toe. Yeah. <laughs> Are your toes turning <laughs> blue <laughs> yet? Yeah, well,
1: WebMD is like the worst thing in the world oh, it's on. like it's like you a end death up with
0: sentence. Every freaking thing there is. Every ailment you pull on there is like a freaking death sentence. No, I've never been to
1: Africa, but there was that mosquito that bit me. That I've come oh, from there. Yeah.
0: Oh my God! Some <laughs> by a bee, but oh no, uh, I bet it was a killer uh, bee. Oh, I better go check and make sure that my throat's not closing. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. Anyway, Deborah Tagle of Santa Fe, Texas. You are our douche of the vet. very much so.
1: Come on, Daddy. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. <laughs>
0: Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamour and strife, bigger than life. Sitting in the
1: darkness, what a world to see.
0: Let's go to the movies, Annie. Wait. I saw three flicks. You saw two. Yep. Um, so you want me to? You start first. Yep. And actually, my first one kind of
1: goes along with that. So
0: right on. Um, well, the day after Iron Man, I went back and I I, uh, I caught a little flick that came out of the festival circuit and got a lot of praise. Uh, a flick called Mud. I am interested in seeing... I was some. hoping it would be about bikini-clad women and on the wrestling circuit. Turns out it wasn't. That would be a great documentary idea, though. <laughs> Tur- turns out it was uh, a Matthew McConaughey flick, um, w- it, which, of course, I knew. Um, But uh, it, it's about... It, it, we're talking about the new reinvented Matthew McConaughey here, not... Uh, not the rom-com Matthew McConaughey. We're talking about dude like got super skinny for this stuff. It was just that, that, that more edgy, dirty, grungy Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. thing, which I think is, is what's Taylor made for this dude now. Um, basically about he's, he's, a he's a bit of a drifter and he's hiding out on this island on the Mississippi, uh, away from the authorities cause he's, he's wanted for, uh, he's wanted for a murder. Um, which he claims was a justified murder, but nonetheless a murder. And he's waiting to reconnect with his girlfriend, who's played by Reese Witherspoon. And then two kids, and I don't, their names escape me, uh, but in the movie they were called, uh, one of them's called Neckbone. I remember that. Reading uh, and Ellis, that. Ellis and Neckbone are some great names for two, two <laughs> Mississippi River Rat kids. Anyway, who it, what was cool about these two kids is like, it felt like it was like this was before the internet, before cable TV, before electronic devices, when you had to actually go outside with your buddies. Find something your, to do. Yeah, make your own <laughs> adventures and stuff. And what they did was they had heard about this local legend about this boat stuck in a tree out on this d- like deserted island. And they get in their little, uh, little powerboat, and they go up the river, and they go to this island. And they find the boat, but then they discover that this guy, Mud is actually living in the boat and hiding out and that's where the story kind of goes from there um and at that point it's really just about these two kids that are interacting with mud and kind of doing errands and favors for him so that he can try to reconnect with the girl but the authorities are looking for him and the the family of the dude that he murdered—they're just bad dudes and stuff. They're looking for him, so it's really just this, this push and pull with these kids, and the kids are great. And uh, it is really a good flick. Now, the name of the director—fuck uh, me, why can't I think of it? It's the same guy who did *Take Shelter*. Um, son of a bitch, I need to know this too, because *Take Shelter* was a great, uh, a great flick couple years ago with michael shannon and michael shannon's in this too he just isn't given enough to do um but like the like take shelter this movie is also very i don't want to say open-ended but the ending is open to interpretation Uh, much like take shelter was where you know everything jeff nichols jeff nichols thank you um, you know everything that's happening as it's happening, and you believe that you're seeing things as they're happening, but then he does something at the end that sort of makes you question what happened before. And he did it with Take Shelter. It's like it's one of those kind of like, who do you like? What what do you believe now? What do you not believe now? And, and I, I'm I'm coming around to these types of flicks because um, if nothing else it, it forces you to have dialogue about what, about the film mm-hmm. this was an immaculately shot film just gorgeous to look at um, and I'm excited to see what Jeff Nichols is going to do next um, Take Shelter was great I think Mud was even greater McConaughey if this wasn't buried in the middle of, uh, of April I'm not sure we wouldn't be talking about McConaughey for an Oscar nod here uh, he was that good um, everybody, everybody was incredible in this flick. Um, easily a, a four, four and a half out of five. Good. Um, solid, solid flick. I totally recommend it.
1: Well, on the McConaughey end, I saw a movie that was another 2012 movie and very small release that hit theaters a little after, but not many people saw, called The Paperboy. With McConaughey as a lawyer, which I know he's common. He's played a lot. Uh, Nicole Kidman as kind of a white trash. Katie. Oh, and very much so in this. Very white trashy southern uh, waitress. Uh, Ephron, I'm losing his first name, Sorry. Zach, right? Um, as kind of someone that knows Nicole and has been around her and kind of has a dig her kind of relationship. And John Cusack in a, the oddest role I've ever seen him play, where he plays a guy who's in jail for pri- uh, in, in jail for prison, yeah, in jail for murder. That he, he's always claimed that it wasn't quite what people believe it is, but from the moment you meet the guy, you have no question. Whatever they say, he did. Not only has he done once, but he's done a hundred times. He's an absolute dirtbag. Again, unlike anything I've ever seen Cusack play, he was just absolute dirtbag. But the way you get introduced to him is that Kidman's character basically is one of those types that's writing to men in prison. Trying to find just some kind of little escapism and finds this one dude who claims that she's his angel. And the reason for existing and the reason he's going to get out at some point, he'll be cleared of everything... And they end up having kind of this weird, we love each other relationship, even though we've never met. And as the story kind of rolls out, you start seeing that there's a whole lot of ugliness in all these characters, but the only one who has any real cleanliness at all, you could argue, would be McConaughey, but he's still a lawyer who's represented people that you know makes him a little sketchy. Um... And it's more just watching everybody break down. When, when you start looking inward and seeing what people really are and what they'll do and what they'll become, exactly what lengths they'll go to. And that's what this movie gets into. Nicole Kidman's character is not the sweet innocent you think she is. Uh, even Efron's character always, always has some kind of hidden agenda.
0: I'm curious to know how, how what your opinion of Zac Efron was in this flick. From a, an I show. you know I didn't mind him at all in this flick because because I think you know a lot of people look at Zac Efron he's just a high school musical character. Now, I thought he I, did, really I think I think Efron has some decent. Yeah, in no,
1: if anything, I would argue that his was the best acting job in the movie, because he stayed true to his character throughout, he was the one that was kind of, look, Nicole, whatever her name of the character was in the movie, Skanky. Matrix. I've been with you all along, here you are sending out these letters, and I'm the one that picks you up every time you get fucked over, and he, so he's the one with her every time she's walked into these situations, Basically to spread her legs and be, get with the next guy and he picks up the pieces again. I need to watch this just to it, see Nicole Kidman in uh, a skanky role. Uh, well, this is the movie that's known for the one where she, he, he Efron, gets stung by a jellyfish and she pisses on him to clean the wound. That's the, what the, the movie's kind of got known for. I'd let Nicole Kidman piss on me. And there's a scene where it was reminiscent of the one in Midnight Express. Oh, Timmy! <laughs> But instead it's literally Cusack sitting just opposite Nicole Kidman and they're both taking care of themselves, facing each other with this whole audience of lawyers and every, lawyers on one side and, and your prison guards on the other just letting it happen.
0: Right but
1: on. it's, looks-wise, the movie does a great job. I'm not so certain there's as much there, though, if you really dig into it. In the end, it's basically, well, okay, so you just have a bunch of dirt bags. And I, to a certain extent, I think it breaks down. I could recommend it. It's a pretty hard R, but I probably wouldn't give it much more than a 3.5. Actually, close to about a 3. Certainly worth the watch. You won't wish that you hadn't seen it. Interesting.
0: Because that, that's better review than I've gotten from other people.
1: But, and Yeah, a lot of people have land-baseded the film.
0: Um, and I don't think it's that bad. I think there's something here. But I find interest, uh, I find things in films like that that interest me oh, enough, keep, that entertain me enough to keep going. I like seeing... And for me, it was the Cusack things, really stepping, stepping outside.
1: Cusack plays the lovable loser in way too many things. This was completely different.
0: Right. Oh. Um, I caught a little flick that just came out on disc a couple weeks back. Um... And this this is a genre that's right up my alley. I love music-based movies. I don't want to say biopics, but biopics fall into it. But just things about people who are into the music industry, into into forming their bands and just seeing how that plays out. Similar to like The Runaways until Mm -hmm. Kristen Stewart ruined that movie for me. Um, It's probably, and I won't... (laughs) I won't get into it because we're going to get into this discussion later. But it's it's one of the reasons why my favorite movie is my favorite movie. Um, but not fade away is about this group of of friends in high school that it was it was the early '60s, Kennedy just got shot, and they the British invasion had just started taking hold in, in America with the Stones and the Beatles and stuff like that. And these kids got. Uh, they got kind of into that whole thing to decided they are going to make their own band. Well, the movie at that point becomes a little less about the band, and they're trying to make it about this one kid who goes off to college and comes back hippie douchebag. And how he got all arrogant because he was a better... Singer than the guy that they had fronting the band, uh, who, who actually who actually uh, created the band, and just this this arrogance to him, like you know anti-war, this uh, all sorts of everything into the hippie in the hippie sixties was taken over, and this guy was such a fucking douchebag that it ruined. What the movie could have been. This could have been a really, really good movie. But this character took me out of it so much from being just a complete arrogant tool that I just wanted to punch him. I wanted to throat punch him, A, because he was a fucking hippie. And I hate hippies. B, because he was just such an arrogant little shit with this smug look and see, because he dressed like fucking Mike Brady from the early Brady Bunch stuff with his polyester <laughs> shirts. He was he was like white dude with the Johnny Bravo uh, with uh, the Johnny Bravo afro and the sunglasses, and he just carried himself like this complete asshole. Uh, his dad was played by uh, uh, Tony Soprano. Uh, frick, what's his name? Oh God, damn!
1: Um, it. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Jesus Christ! You had to keep going. Uh, <sighs> Because he was the only thing we, we liked about uh, killing them softly. Right, 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 right. Jesus, uh, um, and our two listeners that yeah, are still uh, with us are saying you really can't they, they,
0: have a, they have a little arc there where he comes down with cancer and stuff. And the problem I have... Gandolfini. Yeah, James Gandolfini. Um, and he does a great job of what he has. But the problem with the way this was directed, the way this whole movie was laid out, it had a lot of good ideas... But it never really connected any of them. It, it makes these, these jumps in time, and then it's just, he's a douchebag, but now he's a little bit of an older douchebag. And it doesn't really show you or tell you how he got to be a douchebag. He left, he was respectful as, as a kid for the most part, he was into the music and stuff like that, went off to college, and then literally a minute later, he's back from college and he's an asshole, And it doesn't explain to you why, you just just take it on faith, like, ah, he got into the 60s, or he went to college, and the the hippies got a hold of him there and turned him, and there's a lot of good ideas here, but it looks, it it feels like the writers and the filmmakers just lost interest in the ideas, and decided to just, well, we'll just jump over to this part, and and we'll start filming again from here, And, and he does this, and the dad's cancer arc, they don't really reconcile it there's just a lot of things in here that are just sort of left hanging. There's nothing to connect the pieces of all this to make it a cohesive story. And ultimately what I, parts of it I liked, but there was too many parts where it just, it just didn't make sense in the narrative. And I can't really recommend it. I mean, if the soundtrack was the best part of it, the soundtrack was, was, was absolutely the best part of it. Um, but, I, but overall, the movie-wise, I don't recommend it. Hmm. I'd give it maybe maybe a 2 out of 5 at best. And I wanted to punch this dude. I just wanted to punch him. I hate hippies.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fairly well established.
0: Yeah. There is a hatred
1: of hippies. I hate hippies. There should be a hunting season for them. I think so. Even though they can't hide well. You can smell them a long distance away. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, I've always questioned whether or not the Bigfoot rumors of the skunk ape were actually hippies hiding out in the woods. They could be. I mean, let's be honest. They're awful hairy.
0: They
1: smell. And really sketchy social abilities <laughs> whatsoever.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so not fade away.
1: Not very good.
0: All right.
1: So for mine, and I don't even I almost hate admitting I've seen this film... Because it's certainly not necessarily my character, but I saw Bachelorette. All the, all the movies out there that you haven't seen, and somehow, you picked this. I did. Only because I was listening to an episode of Doug Loves Movies, and they were talking to one of the comedians in it, and everyone on the panel was raving about what kind of movie it was. Bachelorette is basically... Who was on the panel? 12-year-old girls? Yeah, there's nothing 12-year-old about this movie. <laughs> Um, Megan, is it Nuringer, I think, is the, one of the chick's names. A bunch of comics that are starting to gain popularity now, but don't have a whole lot of wide stream success. So instantly the first name, and you'd think, holy God, I, I, I can't believe I saw that movie. The bride is Rebel Wilson, who I ah. despise. I don't know why you despise I Rebel dis- Wilson. Because she's got one thing. She plays quirky fat chick. She is quirky, fat chick. I know. We Stay got that covered of her know. Role.
0: Stay with what you know. Jesus
1: Christ. Find something else you can possibly do. I've got this covered, Rubble. Well, what are you going to do with her? I don't know. Here's, d- does she have any other talent? She can
0: sing. Perfect. Let her sing. She did pitch perfect. Here's an idea. She was the quirky, fat girl who could sing. <laughs> Be something other
1: than that. Try a drama.
0: Oh. Uh, but, that, but I guess if that's your stick, why, why do that? You want to see Zach Galifianakis in a drama? Sure. Why? What about a dramatic comedy?
1: Would you take him serious? I dr- Again, dramatic comedy. Steve Martin did Roxanne. Dramatic comedy. Great movie. He pulled it off. Rebel Wilson is, yeah. I'm the fat funny chick. It gets tiresome. Anyway, we're on a minor character here. Again, why the hell did you... We're on a minor character here. So, it's about the fact that three of the bridesmaids, who really don't even like the bride that much, get called in because, of all people, the bride's the first one about to get married, clearly. The bridesmaids are played by Kirsten Dunst, who's the uppity, rich, yuppie bitch one.
0: The, oh, which she can pull off. The problem is she looks like a greasy pork sandwich.
1: Yes, very much so. And she looks like a polished one in this one. Okay. Lizzie Kaplan plays the I'm a druggie slut type, which she's nailed because that's what she was in True Blood. Right. And then we have, I'm going to pronounce it, it's Isla Fisher, Isla Fisher, the wife of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. i call her Isla Fisher. Who's kind of... She's the cutesy, bubbly, I get drunk a lot one. So they're all cliched characters. They're all extremely cliched characters. This movie was Bridesmaids, but a little more hard art. It was Bridesmaids with cocaine is what it was. Because there were a whole lot of shots of them not just getting drunk. Snorting this, snorting that, let's snort something. I I liked Bridesmaids Bridesmaids is a great movie. But Bridesmaids is a great movie because Melissa McCarthy... Was Melissa McCarthy in that weird? Is she lesbian or is she not? What the hell's with the character? And Kristen Wiig is that that good. Right. Um, I don't know that you can have Kirsten Dunst, Lizzie Kaplan. Well, I love me some Lizzie Kaplan, but I've never loved her in a comedic role necessarily. I liked her in Cloverfield. Like her in True Blood. I even want to say she was one in the Avengers short uh, as the extra on the Avengers Blu-ray, right? I
0: think so.
1: Um, I like Lizzie Kaplan, and I really like Isla Fisher. The problem is, all they're doing is, it's basically them. They get kicked out of the uh, rehearsal party because they're total assholes, the bride. They end up risking, uh, they they go back to the, the room get drunk in the main room that they're all hanging out in and end up tearing the freaking wedding dress. So it's their drunken trip to get the wedding dress fixed. This is not enough to sell a movie. Because it's basically and then shenanigans and goings-on happen. So right. they, they end up bumping into the, the bridegroom's party. They end up going to a strip club with the bridegroom. And you've seen it all a million times before, yeah. only with fewer F-bombs and C-bombs. Yeah.
0: Is it not funny? It's funny enough, but you've seen it before. I going to say, yeah, it's the same joke you've heard a hundred times. No question. Okay. Which
1: so, if you haven't seen Bridesmaids, this may play out better because Bridesmaids, for my money, was the first movie in a long, long time that it's well, I would argue for the first movie period that said, you know what, chicks may be slightly more emotional, but they still talk. And are a lot more like guys than what they what people have been allowed to believe. You get a bunch of them together and things become far more X-rated than you realize they get. That there are still people. If this magnifies it. But if you've seen Bridesmaids, you're not going to get anything new here. All you're going to get, like I say, is more cocaine. It's not... And, and, and it's one of those movies the whole way through you're watching it saying, and there's going to be a happy ending. You know it, because they're not going to leave Rebel Wilson they're just hanging out there, thank God. Because it's like putting a pig in a white outfit, and it's just not certain I need to see that. Right. Um, people may like it. I can't really recommend it, other than the fact that it, if you want to see people getting a little outside their comfort zone, you'll get it here. It's just not enough. i maybe a two out of five. Nah.
0: Very good. The last flick I caught, I finally caught up with something I actually wanted to see in the theater, but just never bothered. Uh, Jack Reacher. Never read any of the books, so I couldn't tell you if it if they captured this character the way it should be. Uh, if they did, then the character's a little strange to me. Um, I, and I'm not a Cruise hater. Not a Tom Cruise hater at all. Yeah, I'm not I, either. I, yeah, I, I think he's a little... Odd in his own personal life. Maybe Scientology does that to you. I don't know. Um, but I, I've always admired the dude as an actor. I think he's got some good chops. But this, this movie was entertaining enough for me to recommend it. But it was a little cheesy, I thought. Um, when the action was good going it was pretty pretty cool i mean he's uh i'm not really sure what he's supposed to be he's a complete badass he's clearly trained in a million different ways to kill you um you know he he can be attacked by 10 guys coming at him from different things and he's the one that's going to walk away without a scratch but he plays this character in a way that He almost struck me, and this will be a weird analogy, but he almost struck me as Batman. Because he comes across as a bit uh, of a super intelligent guy who's sort of a detective in a way. But he's got the skills to kick your ass a hundred ways to Tuesday. Which he does on occasion. But there's times when he actually carries himself like, like, hey, what are you doing over there? You almost hear Batman out of this hmm. dude. Um, Does he come off as kind of like the broken hero a little bit? No. Like, or is he very composed? Very composed. Okay. Very composed. Um, like, like he's not worried at all. And like I said, some of those scenes where, where, and you see them coming a mile away. You know, when drunk asshole challenges him to go outside, you know it's not going to end well for drunk yeah. asshole. But still, those scenes were, were pretty cool to watch. Him, mm-hmm. Watching him beat the shit out of people was fun. Um, but I'm not really sure what the point of this movie was to begin with. He's sort of called in by a guy who was wrongly accused of just randomly shooting five people. And through his investigations, um, you know, we're going to find out later on, there's dirty cops... That the that the shootings weren't as random as as they appeared to be and that kind of stuff. So it was very detective-ish, but badass defect, detectiveish. But it just there's there's too many parts of it that that really don't connect well, and that come off as a little too cheesy. And I think if they had toned down on the cheese, made him a little bit more of a normal person. Not that he shouldn't be a badass. Not that he shouldn't be a detective. But but the dude just it was almost like in a, a Rambo esque kind of mindset in that this dude is a loner. He doesn't mix in the social way as much as as much as well as, as some people do, and and that's where he felt a little out of his element. Mm-hmm. Um, it's entertaining enough. Uh, I recommend it. I, I would say, I'd say a two and a half, maybe a three. Uh, and and if, you've seen, if you've read the books and maybe this is exactly how he's supposed to be, maybe they captured him perfectly, I don't know. I know there's a lot of people out there that love the flick. Um, for me, the character was just a little weird, but not, not enough to, to where I wouldn't recommend it. But I would say a two and a half or a three out of five. Huh. Um, but, but entertaining. Entertaining. I was curious about it.
1: Uh, like you, I'm not the guy who hates Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, I, I admit that he need to tone down his own personality thing, and perhaps that's the Scientology talking, dude, since he is the poster child. i talking part. about
0: a dude who banged Kelly McGillis, Nicole Kidman, and Katie Holmes.
1: Yeah, I, I... Scoreboard... Scoreboard right, weird guy. Right, dude. Fuck, where can I sign up for Scientology yes, now?
0: no doubt. And, and I'll worship
1: Zenu if I'm going to get that.
0: <laughs> Travolta's hitting Kelly uh, Kelly Preston. Mm,
1: well, yeah. It's just the the reason... Okay. He needs to stay out of getting massages with other Well, there's dudes. that.
0: <laughs> there is that. Dude, if you've got... I don't get... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you've got Kelly Preston to go home to... Now, granted... They're, I think they're in their 50s now so yeah I mean she they're not he, she's not unattractive but this, we're not talking about the Kelly Preston of 15 years ago but if you had that to go home to no, you're, you're not hurt wh- why <laughs> what uh, again <laughs> allegedly what makes you lay down on some dude's massage table looking for extra... More than the Reiki treatment from Dude. I, I don't what? get this. What? 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 I'm, I'm <laughs> not a uh, happy ending. Uh, yeah. I'll give you a ride on my jet <laughs> plate. What? What? I'm wearing a towel. We can wipe off after. <laughs> ba, 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 ba But you know what? You're right. Still scoreboard. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. It. Um, so, you got any uh, recommendations for the week? I do.
1: Um, I am going to recommend it and fully streamable, the the series is streamable on Netflix and I'm sure I'll allude to it many more times I think people need to go back and certainly if you've not been familiar with it go and check out The Larry Sanders Show The Larry Sanders Show for those not familiar had what like a five year run on HBO with Gary Shandling playing an evening talk, one of the nighttime talk show hosts Jeffrey Tambor as his sidekick, Hey Now, Hank Kingsley, and Rip Torn as Artie, who was the stage manager, who kept it together. And it really, for my money, captures why I don't like late night TV of these types. I don't get the late night host shows because you know there are a bunch of not quite all there egotistical mentally unstable people who bring in these random interviewees but as soon as the people off the stage don't want anything to do with them anymore and that's basically for what what the Larry Sanders show captured but you really need to see the show for the fact that it was a who's who of 80s 90s and early 2000s comedians the people that passed through that show at some point are crazy who were the writers you feel uh you figure Sarah Silverman was on it for a certain amount of time uh Bobcat Goldthwaite appeared on it and it, it, the list is just if you just go to IMDB and check it out the number of people that are on it, it was just awesome it's a absolute riot very R-rated you want to see it on net the Netflix version um For my money, the best story arc is anything around Hey Now Hank Kingsley and his Look Around Cafe. We decided that he was going to invest in a restaurant with a rotating floor. Not that it was up high so you could see anything outside. The floor just rotated. And couldn't imagine why this thing was just going to break him. Fantastic show. Extremely well written. I want to say it did win its share of awards back in the time. I'm fairly certain Rip Torn won some Emmys for his portrayal of uh, of Artie. Well deserved. I can't recommend enough The Larry Sanders Show.
0: I agree with you on the whole late night uh, thing uh, of the last few years. uh, Especially with this whole Leno and Letterman shit. Now, Letterman's something. I loved Letterman back in the late 80s. It's a in the tired mid- mid- act days. now, dude. Oh, it is a tired act. And he's just become this this douchebag, uh, you know, Hollywood liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, back back in the 80s, when he was first starting, dude, that was some edgy shit. Mm-hmm. I loved him back no then. No question. But then uh, then Leno came in. Leno's just a fraud, yep. in my opinion. Conan I uh... see I love like Conan but Conan was
1: never really meant for that 11 o'clock spot right. because he's so fucking quirky With Conan you get you can clearly see how he was a writer of the Simpsons in the first few seasons and it just I and I've loved his nighttime show but I liked it when it was at 12:30 at night because yeah. you know what you're going to get at that point,
0: but I am I am sort of excited, and I still don't really watch any late night TV. But I am sort of excited because it seems to be they're giving it back to the younger guys now. They are. Kimmel is moving in. Kimmel's
1: actually pretty good.
0: They're already talking about uh, Fallon replacing Jay Leno, yeah, which that's I'm a on board because I like Jimmy Fallon too. Yeah, you see, I'm not a Fallon
1: guy, um, and, and but there apparently I'm in the minority there. I just never thought he was funny, but I Kimmel like I love. And I find it interesting because, what Seth Myers is taking Fallon's yep. spot. And Seth Myers, you've got to give up a little love to the New Hampshire guy who's made good on SNL, too. Um, but, yeah, clearly there's a changeover to the younger crowd. True. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Letterman decides to retire because that can't Hopefully be far so. off. No doubt. And you'd think that that station would also go with the younger crowd. And I would not be surprised to see the first female host come about at some point because you look at someone like a Sarah Silverman and say yeah they could pull that off they can carry it on with other people it's just we had that run in the late 90s early 2000s where it just seemed tired yeah and agree. that that to me is why I get on to like Larry Sanders where it just reminds you of how underhanded these things can possibly be
0: right my recommendation this week is going to be of a book I just finished if you are. Like us. <laughs> like us. Well, you don't have to be fat, but. If you are just the cynical bastard who is just fed up with. People in general in this country and the stupidity of people and the ignorance of people and this me first mentality to everything that's going on in the world nowadays. Read. Do yourself a favor and pick up. Any book by Adam Carolla. He did his first book a while back. It was called In 50 Years We'll All Be Chicks. And then the book I just finished, Not Taco Bell Material. Um, It it is In 50 Years We'll All Be Chicks is one of the funniest books I've ever read. And that's basically just a book of rants. Goes from everything from food to animals to cultures to, to everything. And he just says everything that you're thinking. And if you're not thinking what he's thinking, well, fuck you, get off my podcast because you're yeah. wrong. The, the dude is brilliant. And I always thought of Adam Carolla as that sidekick to Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, from The Man Show. From The Man Show. And,
1: and certainly on that show, that's the way it felt. It always felt right. like it was Kimmel's show and then. Sure. A lot of Corolla's stuff landed and a lot of it didn't land right, that well. Right.
0: But Corolla is a freaking comedic genius. Yes he is. And this dude can freaking talk and and he, he, he expresses himself in such a way that it just makes you wish you could, you know, enunciate everything the way mm-hmm. he is presenting his, his arguments to stuff. Especially if you consider the fact that he
1: barely graduated from high school. I know. I know. I mean he, he all but he pretty much admits
0: he couldn't even write when he graduated. Yeah. He he's a freaking absolute genius. And if you if you pick up in fifty years will all be chicks, that is just rant after rant after rant, <laughs> and it's it is brilliant. some of the funniest shit That's I've right. ever read. Not Top of Bell Material, which just recently went to paperback, is the one I just finished. And this is more of a uh more of a memoir style book, um uh talking about him and his, his mid to late teens, up till he was around 30, and then just a very little bit about today, where he's come. Basically, where he's come from to where he is today. And all of the apartments, and the shitty apartments, and shitty houses, and the shitty neighbors, and all this stuff that he's dealt with. uh, A family who's never been supportive, and that kind of thing. Just a bunch of freaking slug douchebags that he's he's been around. Um, And it's actually... In a way, it's sort of an inspiring tale because this dude had everything, absolutely everything mm-hmm. working against him to be a success, which makes it all that more impressive to see where he's gotten himself today. It, it, there's some rants in this. It's not its not like the first book where it's just rant after rant. There, there are ranty parts of this, but it's more about just some of the... Some of his exploits, growing up and 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 trying to make uh, make his ends meet and doing shitty jobs and and the the crazy dudes that he hung out with and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I gotta
1: admit, I, I need to read the book and I'm curious to read anything that he's got of his dealings with being a roommate of uh, Ralph Garman.
0: Yeah, there's a section in there where he's uh, where he talks about his roommates with being roommates with Ralph Garman and. There's a lot of uh, things in there about Kimmel and and just these these random dudes from his from his twenties uh, and stuff yeah. that he made roommates out of and um, yeah and he pulls no punches, dude. He he's straight up, you know, booze fests, drug fests, um, you know, banging chicks and stuff. It, it's very he's very open ended about it and he swears everything in it is true. Um, and then at the end, like I said, the last few pages is is really just him sort of just, you can tell him it's kind of like he just locked himself into a room, saw where he was today, looked at his situation today, and he talks about how he just broke down into tears because he saw what he had today and where he mm-hmm. came from to get to this point, and that just made it all that more important to him. Excellent read, just fun read, mm-hmm. easy, quick read. I mean, it's a little over 300 pages, and I knocked it out in, you know, what was essentially probably like five or six hours, so mm-hmm. I don't read fast, so. But uh, excellent stuff. Either book by Corolla is is excellent. So there's that. Uh, we'll take a break here real quick, and we'll come back with a, a sort of a get to know the ninjas segment. <laughs> We figured it'd be fun to, being that we just rebooted, maybe some some new listener <laughs> Hopefully, they'll hopefully, hopefully listener becomes listeners. Yeah, no, then yeah. becomes
1: listeners
0: and caps and with an exclamation mark. I yes, think. excellent. Um, a, a little a little get to know the ninjas segment. A little bit of uh, of uh, what what makes us tick. What are some of our favorite things and stuff. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd pose a few questions to each other, the same questions to each other, yeah. but, uh, so, so, so that are, our listeners have a better sense of what types of geek we actually are. No question. So we'll start out with the basic question that you would ask just about any geek. Favorite movie?
1: Mine would be a very geek level answer. Would it? Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie. There's no movie I've seen more times. There's no, no movie I hold more dear than watching *Empire Strikes Back*. I, I the anticipation I had as a kid, because I, I was typical Star Wars kid. The first time I saw that movie in the, in the big screen, I, I never seen anything like it. And I had all the all the little action figures. I had everything about it. Don't you wish you had them today? Yeah, they're somewhere in my parents' house. Very played with condition. Oh, um, I'd look through them, dude. Yeah, I, I probably should. I had the Darth Vader carrying case with every action figure and the little door that opened, the little guns and things, when you were allowed to have detachable weapons on, on right, toys. Right,
0: right, until the douchebag pussy liberals. They even had little
1: holsters things. mounted in their size, remember right, that guns could slip in. Empire Strikes Back, though, to me, was more than just a Star Wars film as much as if you watch it today, you realize, A, the risks that they did, be how better the effects got and see that all of a sudden the movies had you clearly had a franchise here you had a movie as big as star wars was empire the good guys lost american audiences don't take to the good guys losing but here you had the good guys losing you would never ever be able to pull that off anymore from my money, Empire Strikes Back is the greatest movie I've seen. Sorry, it's not a cinephile-type film, but it is. It, honestly, that would be my favorite movie.
0: Um, no, why did it have to be a cinephile-type movie? It is a geek podcast. It is. But granted, mine's more of a cinephile-type movie. My
1: director's going to be, though.
0: Oh, okay. Um, and you probably know where I'm going with the, my favorite movie. I alluded earlier to the music genre and flicks that I love. And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of flicks. I, I, I look at some flicks when I go into them, like, could this be the next flick? That, could this be the one that finally takes, that knocks my favorite movie off the top of the list? And none of them have yet. And I still go back to my favorite movie being Almost Famous. That the, Cam- I- the Cameron Crowe semi-autobiographical uh, flick uh, dude, I, I don't know. It just—I I don't know what it is about that flick. I just—I'm I, totally invested in it every time I see it. Um, uh, Cameron Crowe is, is an awesome, awesome writer director. Um, this was like the the one thing Kate Hudson ever did that she was any damn good at. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, and his his part is small, but he's awesome oh, dude. in it.
1: What a great character! Uh,
0: Billy Crudup and Jason Lee in the in mm-hmm. the. Uh, the fake band Stillwater, which is great it's, it's still water yeah it's an, it's just it's so well written um the music the soundtrack to this thing is is you know classic rock stuff we're talking zeppelin and and uh you know iggy pop mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that that's that 70s stuff that's just great you know we're a little bit past the hippie stage and we're just into the hard rock scene now and no, I just I love every bit of Almost Famous. So I well, think it's great. And to defend
1: the movie, if, if you remember right, I hadn't seen it. Yeah. And you lent it to me and it sat on my entertainment center for a good three months. And this shows how I respect you in that movie is I there was a day I was sick and I, I remember it that well that I was sick and I'm going, Well what what am I gonna watch? Or I'm on the couch and threw that in and was blown away. At how good a movie that was. Mm-hmm. I could not find a single weakness in it. And I like the comment you had about Kate Hudson because she's somebody I've been sketchy about. Yeah. She can be just too rom good, but she's way too rom com and she even looks way too rom com. Mm-hmm. Yet here she was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. I loved everything
0: about the movie. It's a brilliant flick. It's a great flick. So that's mine. Fair enough. Um do you want me to do the next one? Or you want sure. No, me? you right. can. Um, I know we had had some discussion about this one before. We're going to get into one of our favorite directors. Um, now, this, uh, to be honest with you, this is is a tough one to narrow down. I'll pick one just to say I picked. Yeah, one. Yeah, I've got five on my list, and I've
1: had to come to Jesus to find one.
0: But to say that one is my favorite, I think it's fair to say that it's one A, two A, or you know, one B, one C, that kind of thing. Um, and I know we, I know this, like we were talking about that this is just too obvious, but I, I can't, I can't justify not saying at this point today, Quentin Tarantino. And, and, and I know we were like, I can't say Quentin Tarantino cause that's just too damn obvious. Yeah, it is. Well, I, whatever he, 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 right at this very moment is my favorite director. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now I'll let you present yours um next before i roll off who i think is also in the discussion but go ahead well and i'm gonna
1: preface mine by saying i decided because i was going for geek level something fairly obvious that i wasn't going to go with a director making movies anymore i made a conscious effort my list has four people still making movies and one who's not Kubrick is by far my favorite director. If you look at his filmography of the movies that I remember the most growing up and becoming a movie fan, right down to Eyes Wide Shut, which people trash and I personally love, Stanley Kubrick, for my money, has made the most lasting impression in turning me into a movie fan. Clockwork Orange, Dr. Strangelove, um... Shining, yeah, a uh, uh, full metal jacket, yeah, brilliant films, brilliant, brilliant films. Even Lolita back in what 62? Uh, what he did. I freaking love Stanley Kubrick's work, there's
0: nothing wrong with
1: one B being Quentin Tarantino. But I, but I, I wanted to avoid saying somebody now hoping that okay, let's pull somebody out. Um, And and even a movie you and I have talked about having to revisit, because 2001 A Space Odyssey, as a kid I saw it and didn't get it, because it's really more of a visual film with themes that are all based on just the nothingness that's going on. And I I remember thinking, even then it's a brilliant film, just not quite being at that level to get it. Because when did that come out? What, Mm mid-70s? I mean, clearly ahead of its time. Sure. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick for me.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that pick yeah. at all. Um, you know, other directors that I've uh, that I really struggled with not picking this, Martin Scorsese. Yep. The uh, <laughs> uh, the Cohen brothers. Yep. And and others that are doing things now, I, I, up and comer. You and I are both gaining respect for. Affleck's off to a pretty good uh, fucking star. Uh, no doubt, dude. Uh, yeah, he's another one of those guys. He, if he pulls in another one like the what he's done in the past, Affleck's right up there. Mm-hmm. I love what Ben Affleck's doing right now. I love what Jeff Nichols is doing yep. right now. I love what Ben Wheatley's doing right now. Nicholas Winding Refn. It's just that they need to get a, a bigger some, number of films really base so on. so many good, young yep. directors out there right now that are just doing awesome An stuff. independent
1: film is having a... A really good run right now, so yep. a lot of guys that wouldn't ever have been given the job yep. now have a chance for getting stuff out there. With all the festivals, and with the interwebs, and with uh On Demand.
0: And I'll even throw out some female names. Catherine Bigelow, oh, what she's dude. doing. Sarah Polly, yep. what she's doing right now.
1: Supposedly her latest movie is incredible. It's about but, her, but f- her mom.
0: Her mom and dad, yeah, yep. just her family. I, I love Take This Waltz, I thought it was great. Yep. Uh, so there's there is a this is a real good time to be a movie fan right and, now. and another so one I struggle way. with and it,
1: it was totally in no I'm not saying he's my favorite but for my money for what he's done Bobcat's another guy I freaking love his work sure. it's it is it is what it is but if you're into that kind of thing it's brilliant and that's why we said we would struggle with this is yeah it depends upon what your mood is at the time. That now we're at a point where, for whatever your mood is, there's a director for you. Right. It's not that directors are bigger than films anymore. Christopher Nolan, David oh, Fincher. Fincher was on my list also, but I was like, okay, no. Um,
0: yeah, well, like I said, when I look at, when I say Tarantino, there are movies of his that I like better than others, but there is no Tarantino movie that I don't like. And there's also no director, and we're... We both
1: suffer from it. And we talk about it. That as soon as we're here he's attached to a new project, we're in. Yeah, we're right there. Instantly. Yep. Opening night, opening weekend, we're there. Sure. We gotta and we're gonna deconstruct the goddamn thing. Django this time and Glorious Bastards before it.
0: Yep. Yeah. There's, I, there's I, it Owen was, Brothers coming out this year. It, just freaking brilliant work. Mm-hmm. So Let's jump down to this one here and finish up with the favorites. Favorite 80s cartoon or favorite favorite 80s Saturday morning show. Put it that way. Cuz not everything was a cartoon. Right. For me?
1: Sure. I'm actually going to go with Land of the Lost for me. That, that, that was one that, it, it, that I thought about. If we'd stuck to cartoon, I would have either thrown out Laugh Olympics or just good old when Looney Tunes went to an hour and a half. But for me, I I don't remember getting as excited when Land of the Lost was going to roll out. With Marshall, Will, and Holly, and now, yes, I get the reference from Marshall, <laughs> Will, and Hollywood. As a geek, I'm so <laughs> embarrassed that fail. I didn't catch that from <laughs> Jane Simon but yeah, dude, I I, I love be some freaking Land of the Lost. That was such a great show. I as cheesy as it was, I thought Holly
0: was a little cutie too. Yeah, she sure. was. <laughs> and
1: at that point, it would have been well, it, it appropriate, been legal, but it would have been appropriate. It would have been appropriate. It would have been two kids playing yeah, around. Yeah yeah, so, yeah, 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 they're playing doctor. Exactly. I put my stethoscope on her, or whatever.
0: Right.
1: No, Land of the Lost for me. That's that was it. Let's be honest, the stack, dude. They were that creepy was, motherfuckers.
0: Was, stacks were scary In that
1: a... obelisk that you
0: went in, yeah. and all of a sudden it was huge, like the Spice Girls yeah. bus? Yeah, it was yeah. incredible. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, no, that, that certainly would be in my top five, mm-hmm. um, for sure. For me, it was uh, Super Friends. Yeah, that, that was... I, I was all about, meanwhile, back at the Justice League of America. Who played that
1: voice? It was, uh, I have no idea. Oh, dude, it was like, was it Ted Knight, I want to say, did the voice? I don't remember. It, it was a really well-known dude from the 60s, 70s, and 80s.
0: And I think it was Ted Knight. Maybe.
1: But yes, meanwhile.
0: Yeah. Oh, dude, I love the Supergirl. a great fans. show, dude. Absolutely love the Super Friends. Um, yeah, it wasn't so much on the Xan and Jaina and Glee.
1: That was a tacked-on thing. That was a tacked even then, thing, it felt tacked-on. As, as kids who grew up then, you knew they didn't fit. Right. right and they right. never did anything good with their characters. Right. And the Laugh Olympics were were solid. Too. Oh, you
0: had to love Laugh. I was also I, a fan of Hong Kong Fui, which was yeah. really it was really a cheesy cartoon but uh,
1: and one long racist joke but dude yeah, exactly. even, it, that, we were allowed to like we be jokes racist dude. back then it was it, it was, was freaking hilarious was, yeah everybody was racist back then you great. know what i liked it, it you i even checked the internet trying to find it do you remember the new schmoo mm-hmm. the incredible new schmoo it basically was a white cum glob that walked around all <laughs> it was it, it, get big right and he was just like he was, just, he was just a jizz shot. Yeah. So basically, he was the, the after bit of a 70s porno shoot
0: right, that, right,
1: that grew right, legs right, and water. Right. But yeah, dude, you can't go wrong with Super Friends. That, that was right up there for me.
0: So, right. yeah. so next question, <clears throat> what is the, the one meal that if you, were, if you were stranded on a deserted island and you were going to be there for the rest of your life, and you can only have one meal for the rest of your life. I'm not talking about a last meal like death row people. You one like choice. Just one choice. You have to eat it every meal. That's what you're going to eat. Mine's going to be. Mine is actually not that extravagant,
1: but my favorite freaking meal in the books: eggplant fucking parmesan, dude. You really? give me eggplant parmesan, I could eat that 24 seven 365. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, and dessert. I freaking love me some eggplant parmesan. Any
0: particular style or any from any particular place? Homemade?
1: Homemade because I like a few different kinds of cheeses. Give me a little bit of sharp cheddar, a little bit of parmesan, a little bit of mozzarella. Got to have some pasta with it. Just don't give me a chunk of eggplant. Got to have something to do with that red sauce and preferably a little bit of wine with it. I'm happy. Eggplant parmesan for me, hands down my favorite meal.
0: All right, for me, I would want a plate of the hot spicy wings from Pearl Street Grill in Buffalo with a pitcher of Lake Effect Ale to go with it. I
1: got to get out there,
0: (laughs) dude. I'm telling you. I mean. There are some places around in Maine here where you can get a fairly decent wing and stuff, but I would wager to guess that the 10th best wing place in Buffalo is going to blow your mind more than the best wing you get here. They are just that good. And yeah, I'm biased, whatever, but you grew up there. You're allowed to be biased. But, but still, I mean, it, 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 I also think it's true. Mm-hmm. But, man, Pearl Street is just so good, and it's a brew pub, and you can get all sorts of different mm-hmm. craft brews. Man, I could just eat plate after plate of that mm-hmm. with a pitcher of beer as my meal and, and live in large. We have to admit, huh.
1: if you had to go with one B on that, Hooters Wings with a really hot waitress doesn't suck. Well, yeah, if it comes with the waitress, sure. Well, yeah, I, I mean... I, I
0: just want to say Hooters' wings. Right. No, I, I don't even they're top it, ten. I don't amazing. even classify Hooters as wings well, per se. They are te- in the technical <laughs> sense. They're, they're not, not buffalo, buffalo wings. <laughs> no. Under any set. They're a total different animal. Right. But they're tasty. Yeah. And the scenery doesn't suck. No. So, last question. One person. One. I think we said one fictional person. A fictional person that... You either want to kick in the nuts or in the vag just for being annoying. What one fictional person out there from books, television, movies, video games, wherever, that just pisses you off to no end that you just want to kick in the nuts or the vag. I don't know which one this would have. We didn't have a lot of time to think about this one. Well, it's
1: good you cleared up that because I knew we would discussed fictional and if we were going to say could be anybody, I'd say Al fucking Gore. Because oh. Al Gore would be mine. Oh, there's a line, whole lot. Because a Tipper Gore and the PMRC thing being a kid of the '80s and heavy metal. And having Tipper being running the PMRC and banning albums, and then they have the fucking nerve in '92 when Bill Clinton gets elected to be on MTV yeah. dancing in the ball. I that, ever since then I wanted to fucking throat punch him. For me, it would have been
0: Michael Moore. That's uh, another great from example the live one. for the almost the exact same reasons. But I'm not sure he could spread his thighs far enough Excellent for me point. to get his freaking nads. Anyway, mm, it affects-
1: wicked the Ewok, dude at the Ewok for me, because <laughs> I, I went into a Return of the Jedi thinking, oh my god, Empire Strikes Back was the greatest movie ever, that bringing Han Solo back, we had the possible storyline that's going to be a, a, a frickin' Wookiee prison planet, and then out walks the fucking teddy bear that says, yub yub, and dances, and worships C-3PO. Wicket was the first one, and if I could throat-punch anything, I'd throat-punch that little fucker over goddamn Jar Jar Binks. Because the Return of the Jedi could have been a really good film, but every time the Ewoks are in it, the movie shuts down, it becomes a buzzkill, and it goes right out the fucking window. I want to punch fucking Warwick P. Davis, Wicket himself. Was,
0: it, was Warwick Davis? Yeah, Wicket, right
1: and Warwick was, at, he was like 14 when he played the role of Wicket.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. I learned a little something there. Yeah, there you go. sound effect. (laughs) The more you know.
1: (laughs) The knowing is half the battle. We'll throw a little G.I. Joe on top of it, too. We'll go from NBC
0: to that. Right, 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 right. Ah, wow. (laughs) I really wish I'd had more time to think about this. (laughs) Because I think I'm going to end up probably settling for something that's just current and at the top of my... uh, on the top of my list uh, for, for today. Um, but I, I'd really love to uh, to kick that little fucker Prince Joffrey in the net. <laughs> You're not alone so. on that one, dude. And, and, and I feel like that's a cop out because I know ultimately what's going to happen to Prince John, which makes me now know that something bad's no, going to happen no, to John. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I just said that I know. I know where his story goes. So let me put but it. But for that way. now, he's with Marjorie, and that pissed me off, because, dude.
1: I'd so but get he's it with Marjorie. such a
0: little cunt. <laughs>
1: He's yeah he's such he a is.
0: little douchebag
1: but the last episode where he and tywin are going oh. back and tywin's like i'm here now yeah oh did he show f- me have somebody carry you up the stairs
0: he's such a little pansy, mm-hmm. too he was he was quaking in his little mm-hmm. king boots but tywin was playing the political yeah. your grace and he, he had no respect mm-hmm. for it whatsoever but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a cop out one. Maybe maybe in another podcast I'll come up with one after I get a, a chance to to think about it for a little bit more time. But yeah, Prince Joffrey I think is a pretty solid pick at least yeah. for somebody I'd like to kick in the head. I'd be beheaded for it probably, but <laughs> it would be worth it. <laughs> probably. Well, that was the was it the the guy that he was gonna that they turned into the fool who was gonna make drink
1: him to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Alright, well that's a little get to know the ninjas type thing. There'll be more at other times. Yeah, we'll do some more uh, some more of these questions later on uh, down the road. It's fun. Yeah. Get a little bit more insight into what makes us tick. But now let's get into a little bit of Star Trek Into Darkness. You think you can't make mistakes? But the choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed. But I believe in you, Jim.
1: Us permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim,
0: you're not actually going after this guy, are you?
1: Let's go get this son of a bitch.
0: You are a poor Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Shall we begin? So we just got back from Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, we did. One of, certainly one of probably the top three most anticipated flicks of the summer. Which sucks, because we're now through two of the three. Granted. But there are some others we're very, very excited yeah, there's about. other there's other lesser than these blockbuster ones. But it's certainly one of the top blockbusters. Oh yeah, I'm going to be um,
1: curious to see the take from the weekend.
0: Loved, 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 loved the 2009 Star Trek, fucking great movie. Star Trek reboot, um, and this one here is the follow-up with the same cast, same director, J.J. Abrams. Um, and I intentionally, last night actually, did a rewatch of the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, um, in anticipation of this flick, mostly because of what I had heard that that. Khan may or may not be in this one. they actually kept a lot of this, a lot of this flick under wraps for the most part. Just
1: yesterday, I was still saying my belief that it was Gary Mitchell.
0: Yep. And I've I've avoided, I've actually avoided a lot of the trailers to this Mm. one. Um, And I'm usually a trailer guy, it doesn't bother me to see trailers, I still want to see the final product. Um, And I've avoided a lot of this. So... And I, I assume this is going to be an interesting discussion because there are, there's definitely. Uh, I don't want to say it's a twist, but there's. Uh, oh, and I guess we have to preface this by saying this is a spoiler-ridden. I yeah. meant to say it right at the beginning, we are talking about the movie in detail. Where well, we, <laughs> there are going to be major spoilers in this discussion. Hey, understand that. That's pretty much the way our reviews will.
1: Correct. We don't feel that you can adequately review a movie without getting a little spoilery. Absolutely. You
0: stay too high a level otherwise. So if if you don't want to be spoiled, tune out now and come back later. Um, and there's definitely, I don't I don't know what the terminology I'm looking for here is, um, but there's definitely a, a something about this flick that you're going to look at and go. You're either going to look at it and go, wow, that's really cool, or B, that was sort of a, a cheap cop-out. Um, for me, I dug the flick. I did. Uh, I, I thought it was entertaining as all hell all the way through, even with the, the approach that they took. hmm um, I and it, I, I'm, I'm not hardcore Trekkie by any stretch. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly not, and what, what's going to be interesting is when we look at like the, the Iron Man discussion and some of the things that annoyed us there, I almost feel like I'm sort of thinking in the opposite direction by allowing this to happen. I
1: totally agree. But,
0: but I do have my, I do have my reasoning that we'll get into Right. Um, you, I like this flick a lot.
1: I, I, I like this flick a lot. I I went into this movie with a whole lot of reservations because it looked to me, and again, we haven't even started talking about the movie. Nope. But if you've been like me and been reading the talk coming out, fans of Star Trek weren't necessarily embracing the film as much as fans of just going to summer movies were.
0: And I get it. I I understand it. I, I will respect Trekkie if they've got big problems with this. Just like, you know, you give shit to these fanboys who can't get over when, they, when they've deviated to any degree. Mm-hmm. We're talking about major yes, deviations here. We're talking about a complete reversal of, uh, of, of fortune here. Yep. Um, what's interesting for me, though, is
1: I think we both say I'm more of a Trekkie than you are. Not well, with certainly. me being a certainly. whole... I, I'm not but dying of whole Trekkie. I'm, right. I'm not the guy who is willing to sit through every season of Deep Space Nine. I thought that show was boring. Voyager was pretty terrible. I've
0: never seen a complete thing of anything. I've seen episodes of Star Trek. I've seen episodes of Next Generation... Not sure I've seen any episodes of anything that came after no, that. I, I, I haven't seen the, all seven flicks. You know, I've seen like the first four. I've seen
1: all of the original series. So I've seen all of both series flicks. I've seen every episode of the original series, every episode of Next Generation ad nauseum. Um, Deep Space Nine I watched for two seasons and didn't care because what I thought was interesting with the, with the, the series is... Series had been the fact that they are traveling through space, running to people, the thought that they were just in some station sitting there and people coming to them, not interesting to me. Uh, Voyager I gave up on because that was the one where they were lost in space, where something had happened, they got thrown way out and their whole voyage was to get home way too politically correct Star Trek can be, and just had no interest in Enterprise because I just felt like they were trying to find a way of redoing the original series Without redoing the original series. So it it just felt cheap to me. And by then I thought they would started to water the brand down too much. Um, I really like this movie. The the changes that they've made, I can deal with. Because we've already put ourselves in a spot from the 2009 film where they've broken the timeline in a way that'll work for them. And... By keeping the spot character in it, both the new version and the old version, they can still work that timeline however they want to yep. the timeline that we remember is still there when they need it they can dial it up yeah and that to me plays well. It was an interesting way in this film where they brought it up again
0: right. Um, you know, to some degree, there were times where I felt like it's its like J.J. J. Abrams took the Wrath of Khan, the original Wrath of Khan movie, and decided, like, oh, that's not how this should have ended. It should have ended this way. And, and we got mm-hmm. more of the Scooby-Doo ending here, yep. or the, the super-duper happy ending. <laughs> this is how it happened. And, like, what we said was it, it's a complete reversal. Watch Wrath of Khan again. And there's a lot of this movie, and especially the third act of this movie, that is a point-for-point point remake, but with character, character reversal. Mm-hmm. And if you remember from Wrath of Khan, where Spock takes it upon himself to go into the, the, uh, the reactor, expose himself to all the radiation to save... Um, <clears throat> Save the ship. The famous line, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few Are the one. Exactly. And then you get the, uh, Kirk is unaware of it. And then at, after the ship is saved, he gets the call from that area. Like, you better come quick. And you get down. And you get the touching. Spock is dying. Spock dies. Scene of stuff like this. Well, this happens. All of this happens in this movie. Although in this movie, Kirk is the one who goes... Into the reactor, into the core, Mm -hmm. saves the ship, and Spock is the one that has to go and, and say goodbye to his friend. And it really was darn near point for point. Even the dialogue was almost point for point.
1: But it having Spock be on the other side of it was interesting because this is where you got... Which part of him comes out? Right. The half Vulcan or the half human? Mm-hmm. And that was what I found entertaining about it. Mm-hmm. Was let's see the angle that that they play. Is it the i logical? This made perfect sense. If if James T Kirk doesn't do this, if my friend doesn't bail us out, we're all dead.
0: Well, I think they set it up early on. Earlier on, when they were in that little shuttle uh, heading to Kronos. Um, and, and Spock explained why mm-hmm. he shows no emotion in those situations because he wants to block the feeling of emotion in those situations. Yep. And in the, the final scene here, the final thing with Kirk there, he, he either couldn't block it or he chose to feel it. I, the way
1: I took it was... The meld that he did with Pike earlier on let him know how much pain there was at death. And here is the person that he truly believes is his friend. So there's a point when Spock is going to snap. He's carrying all these memories that he's held up from Pike's death. He knows what his closest friend in the world is feeling. On the other side of the glass, there's nothing he can do. Every bit of bottled up emotion will now come out. I believe that was the justification for everything that happens with Spock's character after that. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily believe it was just some weird release. I believe that at this point, he was able to see things through Kirk's eyes, through Pike's eyes, and here was his closest friend in the world dying. The man that he respects more than anybody else, this is the way that Spock would react. And the thing that's consistent with the the canon thus far is if you piss off a Vulcan, if you do manage to get be, be underneath the skin, they become something that you don't want to deal with. No doubt. And they did a great job of showing that.
0: Well, I think Zachary Quinto does a fantastic He's perfect with Spock. I, I think this whole cast is pretty spot on. Yeah. Oh, well, and let's. That
1: again is giving love to the 2009 version, where everybody knew the risk behind recasting the original crew. Not that they can the original crew could do anything, but you're gonna draw comparisons. It's a pretty good group. The only one I ever struggled with originally was Anton Yelchin for Chekhov, and it wasn't necessarily that I struggled with him; it's that I felt like they were overdoing yeah. the Chekhov things. To try okay. to lock him into that role. But I acknowledge he the get fact lot that, to
0: play with here.
1: And I acknowledge that Chekhov always was a very a great deal of hyperbole on yes. the Russian character. Yes. They they took a whole lot of of conveniences with racism at that point. Okay. And and so Yelchin is what he is. And you're right, there's not a lot to play with here. But this there's, there's really no way you could do a Star Trek movie and give equal billing to everybody. No, it's no, not no, realistic. Need to. It, no episode, sure as hell, didn't need to do it. No.
0: Um, yeah, it, it still comes down to Spock and Kirk and Sulu, both in this movie. I mean, they have their little moments here and there, but I liked what they did with Sulu's they, in this, and yeah. what bit they gave them to me was perfect. Yeah. yeah, and if you
1: want to go canon, then in Star Trek six. There's a reference to Sulu becoming a captain at some point. In mm-hmm. fact, he is a captain in it. Mm-hmm. I loved him being able to sit in the chair as captain for a few minutes in this yeah. one. Like, wow, this is... And he was a little badass. And I love that? McCoy's kind about, of, remind me never to piss you <laughs> off. What
0: did you think of McCoy? Carl Urban plays uh, Dr. McCoy in this. What did you think of... Do you think they overplayed that... That it, it almost, and there were times the, was I'm like, you are doctor, totally a, overacting yeah. this this part because every line that came out of his mouth was just metaphor and I some sort of playoff of the original. I will admit, books. I don't remember the original series like, laying it on
1: quite that <laughs> thick.
0: That's really every line he has is just a a point for point metaphor yeah. of like with, of bones from back in the day. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor.
1: Yeah, it,
0: I. <laughs> I love Carl
1: Urban in the role, but I felt... there it's were pure
0: comic relief. There were like, times in
1: this movie where I'm like, okay, throw up the yellow flag. Okay, five yards for overdoing the Bones McCoy thing. <laughs> yes. All right? This is yes. still your own character. We get it. You nailed Bones in the first movie. And we know, Carl, this isn't you. You were given a script with are telling you to do this. The script should have been pared back a little bit on these lines. And let you still... At some point, they've got to get to a comfort spot where they start letting these characters become the new peoples. Yeah. And I don't know that they're allowing them that much leeway yet. Chris Pine, maybe a little bit. Pine's still trying to be Shatner, but I've noticed less Shatnerisms this time than I did in 2009. I think they've gotten way more... Bones McCoy-isms that, in this one.
0: That and, and Scotty. Um, and Simon Pegg. And I love Simon Pegg as Scotty, but both of those characters, who who had enough to do in this movie, but they both seem like they, all they want to do with these characters is make them the, the comic relief yeah. of the film, rather than like an actual... like. Real character. Which is interesting, because then
1: you can go to the other end, where Uhura's being given way oh, yeah. more to play with than yeah, she yeah, ever yeah. had. Yeah, Nichelle Nichols, as much as I liked her as Uhura, mm-hmm. back in the day, Nichelle, not Star Trek Five, Nichelle. But the fact of the matter is, she was never given much of this character. No. Hailing frequency open, yes, Captain, and she would do whatever... Uhura is a three-dimensional character in these two movies, yeah. and they do a great job with it. And Zoe Sheldania, or however she pronounced the last name, does a great job with it. I find it interesting. and I caught the same thing with Scotty. I love Simon Pegg as Scotty. Mm-hmm. I really love Simon Pegg as Scotty. And I love the whole how he takes everything about his engineering brilliance for granted. I love that about his character. But there's too many times they're trying to make him Montgomery Scott that Mm -hmm. we remember from Mm -hmm. 40 years ago. At some point, they need to allow these people to make that character their own just a little bit. If you remember the 2009 character, they had a bunch of references to him eating. Yeah. And it was all because, as you know, if you watch the original series, and all of a sudden... The first movie comes out, and Montgomery Scott's pushing 300 pounds. Right. He was a big boy who liked to eat. So that was their way of handling it. This time it was more about the engineering references. But they're trying to have him capture too much of that getting frustrated sound. Like they're asking too much of him. But you know he can do it. And it, they need the, to back the off the a prob- bit.
0: Yeah. The, the, the Scotty and the Bones character have no depth in these two because they're spending too much time trying to make them be the old characters, right? Exactly, where it, where the depth we got a lot deeper with Spock in, and and uh, and Kirk mm-hmm. in this one. Spock, especially, we've gotten real deep with these two characters now, which I love. Now I hope they give some love to some of these other side characters. Um, Alice Eve as Carol Marcus. I, I thought she was pretty pointless in this movie. I felt she
1: felt Ultimately, tacked on to yeah. try to make it more Wrath She calm. seemed
0: more like a plot device than an actual character. Well, like, they needed her because they needed to put her in front what? of Robocop's right. face. Let, let's be here. honest. The way she's introduced...
1: In the Starfleet that I'm seeing in this movie, she couldn't have pulled that bullshit off where she just gets on some shuttle mm. under an assumed name and ends up on the Enterprise. Right.
0: Bullshit. Area,
1: why was she there? Because she didn't trust her father. She knew that her father basically
0: had Admiral, retreated Admiral from Marcus, them. Right.
1: Admiral Marcus had retreated from them. Well, no. Not Admiral Marcus. Remember they said that she used her mother... or. No, you're right. She was near the mother's maiden name. That's how she got on the ship. She didn't use Marcus. So. Right. So, yeah, Admiral Marcus was up to something and had kind of backed into himself. What we now know is it was what he was building out past Jupiter and the things in these photon torpedoes. And she wanted to get to the bottom of it. And she knew that the photon torpedoes are being transferred onto the Enterprise. How? I have no idea. Right. I this is a very advanced society. You gotta believe that they would have been able to cover that. But they
0: just—they just didn't. For me, they just didn't. Um, they didn't go far enough with her story and her character here to make make me feel like she was that believable. She, right. like I said, she just felt sort of tacked on to this. And the thing is, I don't
1: disagree with casting Alice Eve in the role. And oh. She's actually decent. No, I, and if you fine. look at what the chick looked like much later in yes. Wrath of Khan, yeah. you can see that, okay, at some point this chick was not a bad-looking little blonde girl right, in her right, day. Right, right. So Alice Eve's fine. I didn't think the handling of it was okay. Yeah, And I'm still trying to get around, not that I have an issue... What was up with the scene where she drags Kirk onto the shuttle and she changes in behind him? Because Kirk didn't go on said shuttle with her. It was Bones. So why was she and Kirk? Was it solely as a plot device so that sometime in some other movie they can build a relationship?
0: Maybe I didn't catch it. I mean, I remember the scene. No, I mean, but the I scenes were, any were any memorable
1: because she whips so. off her outfit, which yeah. I still don't know why. in is in Bond panties. It's even in the trailer. Yeah. But she brought Kirk onto a shuttle because it was the whole talk yeah. about seeing the two torpedoes. Yeah, Then cut to she and Bones are flying to this right, deserted right, right, planet. Right, 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 right. Kirk is on the Enterprise bridge. So why did you drag him to a shuttle for this? Yeah, was it solely so I could whip, whip my clothes off behind you? Yeah, it, I didn't get any of that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I wish I wish they would have done more with with her character. And, I, it could have been interesting. In, in, in effect, all
1: it was was, holy god, I was able to open up a torpedo. Uh, this is what's inside. And. My dad won't destroy the ship if he knows I'm on it. And you could get down to two lines of information for her. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, speaking of her dad, Peter Weller as Marcus. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job. He yeah. I agree. Peter Weller,
1: is, uh, even in Robocop, he always had a look where you're like, he'd be better served as a douchebag than he uh, would be he a would, good guy. Yeah,
0: and I'm looking at him the first half of the movie like, who the fuck is yeah. that? Well,
1: It's the thing is, he's done other stuff. He did 24 in the mid-2000s, one of the the mid to late seasons, where he's actually Jack Bauer's father, but he's a total dickhead. Mm. So that's why as soon as I sound like, oh, it's fucking Peter Weller. But dude's aging, and you can still tell it's Peter Weller, but he's aging a little roughly, which was actually work for this character. If he's going to be the highest ranking person in Starfleet, then fine, I can deal with it.
0: Right. Now, who steals this movie? In every scene he's uh, in, it just blows this character out of the water. Is Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah, as Khan. Yeah, um, and it's it's a completely different Khan than what you're used to mm-hmm. um, from the, from the early movie. And, and like, I said, it, and my justification for this, because because I cause I'd mentioned earlier about about how you felt about the Mandarin situation with Iron Man and I had some issues with the fact that they, that they messed with the canon. in this here. They completely turn the wrath of Khan yep. upside down, but I don't, I don't have any as much of an issue here because they didn't cheapen anything. Mm-mm. They didn't, they didn't make these people out to be different characters it's just a different way the timeline played out. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in Wrath of Khan, Spock is the one who dies and Kirk's the one who's on the outside looking at his friend. And it's reversed here, but they don't cheapen that moment. It's and, the same thing. And it's the same thing with Khan. Khan is is a different character here in that he's he's a lot younger than he was in Wrath of Khan. There's there's different different things that he he gets to do. But they don't make him any less of a badass. They don't turn him into a, a soccer fan, a Budweiser sipping soccer fan named uh, named Fla, whatever the fuck it was, um, Slattery. It, it, it's still a badass character, and Cumberbatch freaking delivers, dude. And I would I would need to say
1: they also absorb it in the storyline in a good way. And as much as in the original series, in the episode Space Seed. The Enterprise, on its five-year mission, stumbles upon the Botany Bay, set adrift, with Khan and his minions on it, Mm -hmm. in a cryo-freeze. In this, because the timeline's been redone, the Enterprise doesn't... It's got its crew, but they're not on their five-year mission yet. Spoiler the movie ends with them getting their five-year mission. So they weren't the ones to stumble on it. Some other Starfleet ship finds them. And Thaw's Khan. Not the rest of his crew yet. And here they have the the perfect being and Cumberbatch. Dude, dude, he nailed it. And what I'm finding interesting and this goes right with our conversation from earlier. As much as they're trying to make Peg and Urban be the original characters they let Cumberbatch I think be Mm. the Khan he wanted to be. And I would say that what we got from Montelbon in Space Seed in the 60s and Wrath of Khan in 83, 84. Yeah, early 80s. Was perfect for the 80s. Sure. What we got from Cumberbatch in this oh, version shit. was ideal. Deal. Yeah. It, if you go into the back of Entertainment Weekly this week, the, the little on-target thing, the center thing is let Benedict Cumberbatch be any villain he ever wants to be, no, and don't Right. Don't I don't. found myself just absorbed steals, with the way he was a character. He
0: steals this flick. It was perfect. Cumberbatch is perfect in this flick. Um. And you, you're okay with the whole twist of the timeline. Other characters playing out other characters. You know,
1: that's never bothered me. I I've always
0: I'm do not you, do you look at this as clever or lazy in this case? Cause a lot of fanboys are looking at this as a lazy thing. That he took something and rather than creating some sort of new thing, he just took Wrath of Khan Said, oh well, I'll just make this guy, this guy, and this right. guy, this guy, and 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 pretty much go point for point. Like you don't have to think at this point because you can just you're just watching Khan and pulling it in and doing the same. thing. You know thing.
1: where I felt it was lazier in this movie? The very first scene felt very Raiders of the Lost Ark. Escape with the idol with the the little yeah, pygmies chasing yeah, him. They did. That felt every bit of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the scene when they're in the shuttle flying onto there's a little ship. And they're flying through the crevasses, and I'm thinking, I've seen this. This is called Return of the Jedi, uh, Revenge of the Jedi, uh, sorry, Return of the Jedi, this scene with a flying
0: into the fucking Death Star 2 doing the flips. I've seen this before. I was thinking when they like, we won't fit, we won't fit, we won't fit. I was thinking uh, Independence Day as the thing's close. Yep, and the... <laughs> Those
1: references, I didn't have as much of an issue with the Wrath of Khan things. Was there a part of me thinking, yeah, I've seen this? Certainly. But then when it got to the reveal of how Spock reacted, I thought, part of me really wants to believe that the screenwriters said, let Spock finally show some emotion. Because this movie was all predicated around Spock not showing any. It literally was the driving force of the movie. From the get-go.
0: Now, I don't know if it was the fact that I watched Khan, Wrath of Khan last night and stuff like this. I, I I was purely entertained through this whole thing. If anything, if, if Abrams had any intention of making any of this stuff emotional, it didn't work for me. Um, the the quote-unquote death of Kirk had no emotional resonance to me whatsoever. Even at that point when I did I didn't see, and, and I probably should have, I didn't see the, um, them bringing him back at that point. It, it makes sense. I until they have, all
1: of a sudden said, uh, pan to the triple." I'm like, uh,
0: yeah.
1: Tribble's going to start. But I wish it hadn't been a Tribble, dude. Do you, I really wish it, it hadn't Do you think that
0: was a tribble. cheap, a little cheap? Do you, do you think even bringing him back was good? Would it, it would have been bold
1: to, to have, kill have completely killed him
0: off. But then I'm like, well, then I mean, now you can't what happens? Kill Kirk are you, you going to? Well, exactly. You can't kill Kirk. He, off. Uh, he and Spock are the two characters
1: you can't. Absolutely.
0: Kill. But then I'm thinking, like, if they do that, what are they going to do? Just do another? Uh, do a point for point search for Kirk? In, right. In no, you, you can't do it. Um. But, and maybe, maybe in the back of my mind, I'm knowing that all right, you can't kill Kirk off. You just can't do that. And so maybe that's why I, I wasn't emotionally invested in his death. Because A, in the back of my mind, I don't think he's actually going to die, or it just it just wasn't
1: it didn't seem plausible at all to me they were going to do it. And, and
0: well, that comes to the fact that Kirk is human. He's fully human. I can buy Spock going into that situation, being able to do what he needs to do, and then dying. Kirk would have been like, he wouldn't have lasted. Like, like Scotty said, you won't even make the climb before you're dead. So, if he was able to do all that, I don't understand how, in, in this technolo- in, in this technologically advanced civilization, how you haven't found a hazmat suit to pull Kirk's ass out of there and, and, and try to save him right there.
1: Oh, That I agree with. And that to me, that was always a flaw in the first one. Why the fuck are you watching him sit there and rot? You've got a spaceship. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can close bulkheads, put on a suit and get his fucking ass out, close the bulkhead enough mm-hmm. for that entryway and get him to sickbay. You can't do it. Considering sickbay and all those movies always had that, the gurney that also had like the hood that came up around you mm-hmm. and closed you, you can't tell me they wouldn't have had that. Right. Well, you got to work within the canon and I guess maybe they don't have it. Right. Um, for me, the, I actually didn't have any issue with the Kirk Death rebirth. I figured that somehow the Pike piece was going to come into play. And I, I kept waiting for some kind of Spock mind-melding him back back into him. Not that that was ever part of canon, the ability of a Vulcan to restart somebody with it. But I figured, well, you've messed with the timeline enough. Maybe there's an ability we don't know. Then they panned to the trouble, like, "Oh, that's right. They injected triple with the blood of Khan earlier Triple, triple comes back to life again. I wish it hadn't been triples, but I know they're trying to give Trek fans some little bones here and there.
0: How about Khan uh, and at this point, we don't know he's Khan, um uh, but how about Khan going and hiding out where he hid out? Uh, it seemed to me more like just a reason that we can sort of plug Klingons into this flick. I would agree. Um, and and there is, there's brief encounter with Klingon here, but it's certainly no major part of this thing. But it's almost like they they he wanted to do to acknowledge some sort of Klingon thing here. Um, Unless the thought was... It, it,
1: he kind of explained it, and I don't know if they did a good job. The way I took it was... He knew, he, Khan, kind if of, he went there, that the Federation would have to act. And that they recognized it was, it was an, it, that it was an act of war. So somehow Marcus, the person he wanted to get even with, was going to get involved because he couldn't allow it to get out. Right. That, and that maybe Marcus would come himself. And that when Kirk all of a sudden was the one who appeared... That's why he protected him, knowing that Marcus would come back for him. Sure, that's the way I took it. I don't think they did a good job of really explaining that, or if no, they the, did, it was too high a level.
0: Yeah, and, and I need to see the movie again to, no. to to connect a couple of things. It's not really a hard movie to follow um, for the most part. There, there I thought the first one was was a little bit harder to decipher a lot, especially with like the, some of the time mm-hmm. uh, leaps and stuff that they made. The whole the whole spot thing i still at times i'm like oh, wait, how did they explain that oh yeah when you get into time travel movies especially with this crossover yeah but yeah
1: how did you react to the scene where spock radios spock to ask him about khan um did you like that for me i actually thought it was interesting because it was the acknowledgement yes fans of the old the original series you know Spock of old has already dealt with Khan.
0: Exactly. And and yeah, you know, part of that to me it felt it almost felt like Superman going to his uh his Crystal Palace at the North Pole and putting the crystals in and asking advice of his parents right. or something. Exactly. Um yeah, I, I didn't have any big problem with it. I always I'm always on board with the Nimoy uh cameo yeah. anyway. Um, no, I didn't have any big part. It was interesting though how where they left it off. It's like, well, how did you beat him? And then you never. That's it. You, you don't get any. You don't. You don't know if he actually told him or not. Yeah, I got the impression
1: he didn't because that's discussing his own death. Right. Is the way I read into it because that's literally how they beat him. Is right. they they well you saw the movie. I mean, Spock. Putting Which more have been an interesting to
0: if he had told him that, and then Spock would have figured out right off the top of his head that Kirk was doing what Has he was Has to doing. go
1: deal with the warp core.
0: Yeah. So, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I was highly entertained from mm-hmm. start to finish. Um, I didn't have any issues with with the little twists that they made of it. Um, there were a few moments that were certainly... Uh, there, there's There's umpteen nods to the original stuff here almost to a fault when it comes to certain characters like bones and Scotty um but I I got everything I wanted out of this and I'd certainly put it in the in the argument of a four out of five.
1: Oh, easy yeah for me it's definitely a four out of five i I could if it wasn't for. At times, feeling like they were belaboring points with the original cast to this yeah. one, yeah. I would easily give a 4.5 out of 5.
0: But I will respect the opinion of of hardcore Trekkie fanboy that might have had issues with the way that they switched yep. things up. It was interesting, too, because even at the end, if you noticed, it was Kirk that said these are the voyages, rather than, than Spock. Yep. So, and, and I think that was probably And you're
1: right. At the end of Wrath of Khan, it is Nimoy's voice who well, says It's it. Nimoy everywhere yep. in all the movies.
0: But, uh, yeah. It, so it's, it's just a reversal thing. It, it was interesting.
1: You know something that's always driven me crazy about Star Trek? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not just saying this. The fact that basically every alien race, for the most part, are humanoid just with bad makeup. Yeah. Do you ever look at the the random ones that they have as the other people on uh, on the uh, the deck? Um, yeah, they're all they all. And there. go. So all you did was put a whole bunch of gold shit all over her face, yeah. put some kind of voice fuck up with her, and that, never liked that about Star Trek. But it it goes back to the fact that that show was being done for TV that didn't have the budget that movies had, sure. and the movies are trying to stay. True to the original series. Well, at least
0: Doctor Who had Daleks
1: for what they were worth. Yeah, yeah they
0: weren't humanoid. That's true. They were garbage cans. They yeah, were garbage <laughs> they they love garbage
1: cans and a whole lot of tin foil in Doctor Who. Right. <laughs> anyway, Star Trek Into
0: Darkness. Um, Highly awesome. recommend. I'm yeah. looking
1: forward to seeing it again. Yeah, too.
0: absolutely. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. We've <laughs> went well over two hours here, which is a little more than we have probably wanted, but uh, whatever. Um, we'll reconvene in a couple of weeks after we see for a movie we're getting to see uh, After Earth, Will oh. Smith and M Night Shyamalan ding dong. And anyway, and Devil Spawn. Yep. So there it is. Late. Later. Later.